This is episode 120 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as I talk professional wrestling and give my honest opinion about the shows I watch and the news that I read. In case you don't know who I am for you new listeners out there, I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. This is your boy, Shino D. Phoenix! And I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode. A little bit of stuff to go over today. Uh, I do have some thoughts on New Japan. I just I watched their Dominion show on Monday, uh, which I thought was a really great show. But I want to put focus on the three big matches that has been that I wanted to talk about. We got some NWA news. We got a new signee and uh, a big announcement coming from the NWA, and it involves the women's division. We got retirement news. We got more stories on Alistair Black. He was literally um, interviewed by Renee on her podcast, Oral Sessions. So I got some highlights for that. Um, we're going to talk about the Shayna Baszler ending on Monday Night Raw. I got an ass load of things to say about that main event. It's literally just... So much on my mind. We got predictions for TakeOver in your house, which is this Sunday. Um, We got... I got thoughts on the main event of NXT UK with Mako Satomura and Kaylee Ray. We'll get to all of that and so much more. Now, note, I am recording this before SmackDown and AEW come on. So... We're going to get all this stuff out of the way, and then we're going to get to SmackDown, get my thoughts on that, get my thoughts on AEW, and we call it a night right here. I'm excited because it, this is not a wrestling-related thing because E3 is upon us. It is E3 month, and tomorrow is E3. We're going to be seeing some big games. As a gamer, I love to see what they got up their sleeves coming from Microsoft, coming from Nintendo, from Capcom. Just... I feel like this is going to be great stuff that I'm looking forward to uh, watching. So, I don't know. I might do a little reaction. Maybe, maybe not. We're just going to have to wait and see what I have in store. But, anyway, that's what's going on right now. So, as usual, you guys know the deal with social media. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite. Those are like the main things I tweet at, especially if Monday Night Raw is bad. And if you don't see me tweet, you know why. Um, But on rare occasions, I do live tweet for NXT UK. I do live tweet for uh, NWA, um, New Japan, and Impact. And, and any other wrestling shows on rare occasions. And I also use Twitter to promote my Twitch channel. Which, speaking of which, <clears throat> you can follow me on Twitch. Shino D, not Shino D Phoenix, just Shino Phoenix. And we just hit 251 followers. So, to that, I say thank you guys for supporting my uh, Twitch channel. Let's make it to 300. Let's make it to 300 because I will always try and do my best to entertain you guys and. In a way, and I'm trying to work on my uh, Twitch channel trailer. That way, you guys could um, see what I'm all about. And I think that's another good way I could get some people to notice what I bring to the table. And um, 
Yeah, I like streaming video games. If you love video games, Twitch is where it's at. Make sure you follow me on Twitch, Shino Phoenix. If you have Instagram, follow me, Cool Man Sip. I post per personal stuff on there, mostly gaming-related uh, content on Instagram. If you want to see what I'm like, Cool Man Sip. It's CYP, by the way, on Instagram. I like seeing new people, and on rare occasions, um. You can see a little bit of wrestling on there. Back then, I had wrestling stuff plastered all over my Instagram. But now, I switched that a little bit to gaming. So, that's that. Um, Facebook. Let's do Facebook real quick. If you have a Facebook account, make sure you like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. I do post episodes on there. And if there's an update, if there's an update, I will let you guys know of what's going on. So, like the Facebook page. That way you can stay up to date on when I post the episodes. Now, before we do that, before we get into the news, I want to mention this for a brief second. I love Wildcat. I've been watching Luke Hawks, my boy, my homie, um, like, give us a, a big update saying that he has a big announcement soon. Ten years. It is... 10 years since Wildcat uh, has been in the building. So, like, in this wrestling business. And I'm honored to be, like, a part of the Wildcat family because I'm, like, the biggest supporter. And when things open back up, in which I feel like they will, because Luke Hawks has a surprise for us, and we don't know what that big surprise is, because... You know I love talking Wildcat on the podcast. And hopefully one day my goal is to uh, interview some of the wrestlers in Wildcat on my podcast. If you guys want to see who some of these people are. So I think that would be perfect for me. So that's that. I just can't wait to see Wildcat come back pretty damn soon. Like I'm excited for it. So just want to throw that out there. It's it's a New Orleans thing. <laughs> Now, anyway, let's talk about AEW for a bit. I don't have much news coming out of AEW. I know they added some, they added the injury on Kenny Omega, which I will talk about because I just need to add that to the list of things I have to talk about. So, like, let's scroll this all the way up. That way, I don't forget because I'm always like, I always like trying to go in detail. So here we go. Now, AEW, this first story, AEW will not write creative controls into any wrestler's contract. Now, Andrade El Idolo signed with AEW to a deal, and that was a big shock for fans, even though the reception, like, the reaction was kind of bland, to be quite honest. I thought it was underwhelming. Now, Andrade's part of the AEW roster, but it came after some heavy talks. Now, WWE released Andrade without any non-compete clauses associated with um, with his exit. Now, he had a talk with Tony Khan very early, but they stalled. And there was an issue where Andrade wanted, quote-unquote, creative control. Now, it was previously reported that the compromise was reached between AEW and Andrade. And the original report was that Andrade has control over his match finishes. Well, according to Wrestling Inc., they made a correction to their previous report to note that this was a mistake. That it was a mistake, and 
They noted that no AEW talent has any creative control written into their contracts as Tony Khan makes the final decisions. And they said, and I quote, we are told that Andrade's deal with AEW does not have any creative control. It was also noted that no one in AEW has creative control in their contracts as Khan has total control over creative. Now, Tony Khan might take suggestions into consideration, but nobody can book themselves in his company, which is is the truth. Like, you don't want to have it be unfun for everybody else. Now, he even vetoed executive vice presidents in the past when they wanted to lose and put over new talent. Now, Andrade and AEW are just getting started, but nobody has any say in how they're booked except for Tony Khan. Now, continuing with the Andrade story, he wants to clarify to the fans that he wasn't born in WWE. Those are just the casual fans who don't know who Andrade or La Sombra really is. Now, the former WWE star, like I mentioned, made his AEW debut last week on the Double or Nothing Fallout, which I got news on the ratings on that. Um... He has worked with AAA. He signed with AAA where he's scheduled to work a match against Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega title on the 14th of August at Triple Mania. Now, he took to Twitter today to write the following about what's next for him. He says, I was not born in WWE. I'm ex-WWE, yes, but ex-CMLL, ex-New Japan. Now I'm a superstar of AEW and AAA. Who, what's next? Now, he hasn't been advertised for anything as of right now, but I guarantee next week we see him make his AEW Dynamite in-ring debut. And I could see him up against someone like Danny Limelight. I think they would give him a nice showcase on what he could bring to the table. Yeah, but the creative control thing, I mean, nobody should have creative controls in their, uh, in their fucking, how would I put it, in their contracts, like, make sure, just, make sure the booker knows who you are, and they actually give a shit about what you could bring to the table, looking at you, Vince, seriously, I'm looking at you, should have done something with Andrade, but you fucked up, and, I still think we were robbed of a Charlotte Andrade possible storyline where she's helping Andrade get to the top robbed because why not but anyway like Andrade reminding people that I'm I wasn't born WWE good because technically you started in CMLL and you started in New Japan so like and I'm glad that he's letting people know this is my next chapter. I'm in AEW. I'm going to... This is going to be my destination. And this is what's next for me. So, casual guys, don't worry. Alright? Just don't worry. Now, anyway. I want to talk about the ratings on last on the last episode of Dynamite. And it's a little bit alarming. Because Dynamite drew 462,000 viewers. Which was down from the last, not last week, but two weeks ago, 526,000. Now, the key demos, they did a 0.19 
0.19 rating, which was down from a 0.20. And you might be wondering why don't why I talk about this? Because I mean, they they've been preempted by the NBA playoffs, and um, I feel like this is where that TBS deal came into play. Like, not only do like this is why a move to TBS is important because that way they don't have to be preempted anymore. And they don't have to worry about um, the dwindling ratings and the the key demos just dropping. Like, they know they're preempted. There's nothing that they can do about it. They're going to be preempted all the way, like, till this month. And we're just going to have to live with that until July when things go back to Wednesday. So, like, I just want to throw that out there. And... This is why the TBS deal came into fruition. That way, they don't have to worry about moving to a different day. They got TBS to put Dynamite on. And boom, everybody wins in the end. You got the NBA playoffs on that day. And you got Dynamite airing on TBS. This is why I cannot wait till next year when this starts. So that way, they don't worry anymore. So that's a good thing. In my honest opinion. Now, moving on, let's talk about Omega. He's dealing with multiple injuries, surprisingly. Now, Kenny Omega is the AEW World Champion. He's the Impact World Champion. Or if you want to keep the TNA World title, he's a TNA World Heavyweight Champion. And he's the AAA Mega Championship. Well, champion. So, he's been working for... uh, Three promotions, like I mentioned, AEW, Impact, and AAA. And it came at a price because Meltzer reported on the latest edition of the newsletter that Omega is hurt. He's been hurting pretty badly these days. Um, He sliced up his hand that resulted in him needing seven stitches. Now, it happened when he hit Pac with the title during the triple threat match at uh, Double or Nothing. That also featured Orange Cassidy. He also had a deep bone bruise near his tailbone. The normal wear and the tear on his knees. And an athletic hernia. Jesus Christ, man. In addition to his injuries, Omega had a stomach virus this past week. Meltzer had noted that from the fan fest that took place where... Placed the, the day before Double or Nothing where Omega said... There are days where he wakes up and walks around where he thinks maybe he's close to the time to hang it up because of his body is feeling is feeling worse now it was added that having real fans in the building while working makes him feel a lot less like made him feel a lot better now omega is scheduled to defend the title against moose on saturday on impact against all odds, that match will take place in Daly's place. So that should be interesting. Might keep an eye on that. And uh, I know June 26th, he will defend his title against Jungle Boy, the AEW world title. I think that's going to be a great match. But I don't see Jungle Boy winning. I feel like it's going to make Jungle Boy look like a bigger star, but um, not on the Omega level. But damn, sliced hand, hernia, like 
problem with your knees and your tailbone. I mean, this guy's just literally putting his body on the line for us. And I, I look, I got to give him credit. But yeah, like after this run, after these runs with those titles, if I'm Kenny Omega, take a fucking break. Seriously, just take a break after your run as AEW champions over, after your run as Sl- your Impact World champion uh, run is over, after your mega title run is over, just take a break. Let your body heal up first, because that's more important. I'm just just throwing that out there, in case you guys know. Now, quickly, Dark Elevation and Dark, because I know there's some people who don't watch Dark Elevation or AEW Dark. Uh, Jay Cargill, this is from Elevation. Jay, Jay Cargill defeated uh, Rache Chanel. Santana and... Ooh, I, I, I'm trying to roll the R's. Ortiz. Ortiz. There we go. Defeated Adrian Alanis and Liam Gray from the Skulk. Because I'm my I'm like my old Evolve self. I love the Skulk. Best, the best stable in Evolve. I'm sad that had to close down. Anyway, Scorpio Sky defeated Trevor Reed. Brian Cage and Powerhouse Hobb defeated Kendall Blake and uh, Trevor Eon. Evil Uno defeated Danny Limelight. Ethan Page defeated Mike Seidel. The Acclaim defeated the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and uh, Allen Five Angels. Chris Statlander defeated Kareen Amanita. Varsity Blondes defeated Ryan Nemeth and J.D. Drake. And the former AEW Women's Champion, Hikaru Shida, defeated Diamante. And Hikaru Shida, she cut her hair. Like, it's shorter now. And it looks it looks beautiful. I love it. I love it. I think it looks great. Now, AEW Dark, you had Lance Archer defeating Zicky Dice. Yeah, Zicky Dice was on the show. Abaddon defeated Willow Nightingale. Cesar Bononi defeated Cyrus. The same Cyrus that I saw compete in Wildcat. So I'm just throwing that out there. And Helico defeated Matthew Justice. Ty Conti defeated Natalia Markova. Chaos Project defeated JP and Tommy Daly. Marco Stunt defeated Ariel D- Dominguez. Aaron Solo defeated Sonny Kiss. And there's a story going on with Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela on Dark. So, like, you had the heels from the factory beating up on uh, Sonny Kiss. And you're wondering, where's Joey Janela? Why didn't he come out to make the save? I don't know. We're just going to have to see. Nyla Rose defeated Missa Kate. QT Marshall defeated Bear Bronson. Thunder Rosa. Defeated Megan Bain. <laughs> I just love doing that. Thunder Rosa. It's just catchy to me. Dark Orders 10. Preston Vance. Cole Cabana. And Stu Grayson defeated Dan Barry, Kit Sackett, and Justin Law. Big Swole and Kylan King defeated Sea Stars. And we had a really great match between Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. This was really great. Um, Matt Seidel, he won beating Dante Martin. So I thought that was um, a really, really good match to close Dark. Honestly, that's the match I would recommend if you're going to watch Dark. Now, I did watch New Japan Dominion. Like, if you ignore the filler, because 
in the beginning because you know they do these tag matches. I usually don't care about it that much, but they usually do it to set up programs coming. But I paid attention to the big three matches. I thought El Desperado and Yo had a really good match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, which El Desperado retained. And it looks like either El Fantasmo or Ishimori wants the gold. So I could see it being Fantasmo or it could be Ishimori. We're just going to have to wait and see who. I thought Kota Ibushi and Jeff Cobb had a fucking great match. This was one of my favorite matches on the uh, in Dominion, along with the main event. Like, we had Jeff Cobb hitting a, a Kamigoye, which I thought looked nice. But seriously, if you want to see excellent match, look at Kota Ibushi and Jeff Cobb. This, this was amazing. I can't even put it in words. But Kota Ibushi, he defeated Jeff Cobb with the Kamigoye. And it plays a part to what happens in the, in the main event. Oh my god. That main event was just beautiful. Like, mwah, chef's kiss. Shingo Tagaki and, and uh, Okada, man. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Hard hitting, insane spots. And just Rainmaker from Okada. Rainmaker from Tagaki. Like, it was... We had a Made in Japan spot on the outside. Really great shit. Like, it... Like, Shingo Tagaki, I'm really glad that he beat Okada. This was the right choice. So, Shingo Tagaki, he is your new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And by the way, I did see... I did hear that Okada actually buried the... This version of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship... And he ain't lying, though. But this was a good match. And Shingo celebrated. And this is going to lead towards Shingo Tagaki versus Kota Ibushi. That's going to be fucking... That's going to be something I'm keeping my eye on. So, I'm looking forward uh, to hearing... No, not hearing, to seeing that match. I think they're going to tear the house down. If you ask me. Now, let's talk about Leo Rush. Now... Rush, he made an appearance at the uh, Double or Nothing pay-per-view at AEW as the uh, Joker card. And he announced, now after the match, now not after the match, but he announced that he is retiring. Now, it's shocking because he just came to AEW. He He's working with New Japan. He has dates with New Japan. And, um... They could have him work AEW as well. But it just... It's shocking because he's tearing things up after his exit from WWE. Now, Rush posted the following on Instagram. He said, I have written and erased this post so many times purely out of not being able to wrap my head around this. The moment I went home in a sling, I kept saying to myself, this was like any other time I got a little bruise or stain and I would shrug it off. And continue on my new journey. Once the pain subsided. I started to feel just how uncomfortable it was. To feel my arm hanging from my body. I sunk into immediate and rapidly growing depression. Because I knew something was wrong. I got the news that I'm. That I've taken some time off due to this injury. Me thinking it would only affect my wrestling obligations. 
I still try to go on about my days as I know as I knew them. I realized just how much this would affect my everyday life. For anyone who knows me, you know that I would work endlessly for me, my family. It became more and more frustrating every day finding little things that I can do that I could no longer do. Like simply putting on a shirt and much harder fact to deal with not being able to pick up my newborn son. Now here comes the part that kept me up every night since Double or Nothing. Knowing that I just made my surprise debut in one of the most exciting times of my career, that part sucked. But I'm grateful. Grateful for the opportunities that I've had this past year after my WWE release. So cool of AEW still wanting to sign me despite separating my AC and the uh, Casino Battle Royal, which would have led me to be being the first person in history to be signed with two major wrestling organizations simultaneously. This is an unexpected turn down the road. I would have done, I would have, and could have never saw coming. But I'm looking at this as a blessing in disguise. Since the injury has given me some time to think. Think about what I want in life. What I want for my wife and my kids. And what what's going to make me happy as far as my mental health is concerned. The timing of this injury has forced me to stop and reevaluate the and ultimately it resulted in making a decision to retire from pro wrestling. Thank you to the fans who've who have farted out for me for the past seven years and the people in my corner. Thank you to all the promoters and friends that I've met along the way who believed in me and my vision. This has been a great ride, but it's time to get off and do what truly makes me happy. Due to contractual obligations with New Japan, I will be making final appearances once I am healed, but for now... Thank you all from the bottom of my heart, and I'll see you all soon. For future business inquires, like he sent, he talks about, he sends the email. But um, yeah, this just literally came out of the blue, like Leo Rush retiring. And I actually watched the guy wrestle in person. People may not know, um, I saw him wrestle Lince Dorado at WrestleMania 34 Access, and. I was like almost like five inches from his family because his family was watching him too. And it was a really good match. A really good match. And to see him hanging up the boots. Now, this isn't the first time he said he retired, but if he's really serious and this is an, a reevaluation, I think he this might be it. He probably wants to take some time off and just be a family man. Now, Tony Khan, he issued a statement, and he said, Leo Rush reached out to me today that he shared that he planned to announce his retirement from pro wrestling tonight. While the news was unexpected, I'm glad that he made a choice that he's confident will make him and his family happy. Leo is a great talent, and I enjoy briefly working with him, and absolutely wish him the best. So, I wish him nothing but the best as well, coming out of his retirement. And... To continue with the Leo Rush story, he goes into further details. Like, he addressed the situation on why he's retiring from 
from Pro Wrestling. So this is what he said uh, in a tweet, which you can read. He said, before I head into my procedure today, I want to share something. I want to share something. I'm content with what I've what I've accomplished in my wrestling career. I'm happy that I made the decision that I've made. This wasn't an easy one, but it was the right one. I started this wrestling journey at 17 years old, and I sacrificed everything that I had to put me in the position that I am currently in today. To me, this is my second chance to be a father that I've always wanted to be and the husband that I've always wanted to be. I've been through a lot in my life, a lot unseen and a lot unheard. I have a story, a unique story, and I hope to tell it one day at the right place, at the right time, and in the right setting. I love you guys, and I will miss you guys so much. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for me and my family. Hashtag wrestling. So that's the detail on why he's deciding to retire. And by all means, I wish nothing but the best for him. He wants to be a family man like I have all full support for that. And that's just the best way I could say it. Like if this is what's best for him, by all means, I think it's best for him. If he's not if he's feeling pain or uncomfortable uncomfortable I can't even fucking speak. Um if he's feeling like uncomfortable like with his shoulder that he can't pick up his uh newborn his newborn baby yeah I think that's one of the reasons why he's hanging up the boots like and mental health is another reason maybe he just wants to take some time off and if he wants to come out of retirement then by all means that's up to him but if he doesn't feel like wrestling anymore hell he had a really good career when you think about it he had a really great career now Greg Hamilton. Greg Hamilton, he actually pulled a tweet and delete. And he later commented on the on the uh, tweet and delete. So, I, I just want to read this. He wrote, Wow, unreal. If we all didn't have our own lives and families to take care of, I just might pretend I give a wearing face emoji like I don't I pretend I give a fuck is what he's saying on behalf of the wrestling family and the community who work for a living onto the gym with the eye rolls emoji now he later deleted the tweet and he posted on Twitter by saying this I can admit when I'm when I'm wrong and I was wrong we don't have to see eye to eye backstage, but Lionel Green, aka Leo Rush, is an incredible father as well as a talent. I have all the respect in the world for that. No one make made me type this, just owning my mistakes. He'll be missed. Uh, Hamilton also attached a screenshot of a statement he posted on Instagram. And like there's more. He said, Agreed, Leo is there we go. I just wanted to bring it up. Like, and I'm glad that he he owned up to his mistakes. Because if that was still on there, if he didn't 
own up to his mistakes, he would have got shit on big time. He probably wouldn't be on television. So, and I'm just glad that this is a mistake that he admitted. And good on him. Because look, mistakes happen. It's best if you own up to it. I made many mistakes in life. I try to learn from it. I try to own up to it. And be a better man. So I hope that that is the case for Greg Hamilton. Right there. Now we got to NWA. We I did not watch When Our Shadow Falls. But I did pay attention to the NWA Women's Championship match. And Camille was the one who defeated Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship. Now, where does this go from here? I don't know. Maybe it stays in NWA. But during the uh but another thing that surprised me was Kylie Ray is now signed with NWA. Now, Ray, she had previously worked for AEW before deciding to leave the rest to leave wrestling and return again under the Impact Wrestling banner. She took a break from Impact Wrestling after missing the Bomb for Glory pay-per-view in the event in 2020 and has not been seen there since that time, but she remained under contract until recently. Now, PW Insider is reporting that the deal was reached between Impact and the NWA to allow Ray to sign with Billy Corgan's company, and it was said that both sides came to terms within the last four to five days. And... Now I have a reason to watch NWA because my girl Kylie Ray's on that show and she's incredible. And um like I, I love Kylie Ray. She's just just really awesome. And I'm very glad that she's part of NWA. N- a nice little gift for the company. And speaking of which, we have Mickey James. That the NWA just announced that Mickey James will join the promotion and she will be an executive producer. For the all-women's pay-per-view on Saturday, August 28th, which the show will be called NWA Empower. There will be a second pay-per-view, NWA 73, airing on pay-per-view the following night. This will take place... No, this will be their anniversary show and will take place at the Chase Ballroom. Both shows will take place in St. Louis, Missouri, and the plan is for the TV tapings to occur on August 30th and the 31st. Now, Mickey James is one of the names that was released by WWE in April. Talk about how they disrespected her. Uh, Tommy Dreamer recently said the door is open for her in Impact Wrestling, so Mickey is very much in demand for an in-ring return and work behind the camera. So, look, she want, I feel like she wanted to be with her husband af- after this release, they wanted Mickey wanted to uh give her um take on an all women's show that that was denied by WWE and even though they did evolution they they wanted an, she wanted another one but that didn't happen so now she's get to be, she's going to be in NWA and she will be doing an all women's show and look I'll keep my eye on it because look women's wrestling is incredible it's thriving. Like, there's no one company that's better. Everybody is... Like, if you have the best talent out there, 
no matter where they work, it's the talent that matters. Not one company that has the best. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. So, I'm I'm pretty excited for the uh, all-women show. I want to see what they're all about. And they, I think it's a two-hour one, if I'm correct. If it's, if it's a two-hour show, then they have a lot of time to tell a story with some of the women. And I think that would be really cool. Now, last episode, I talked about the releases of Alistair Black, Braun Strowman, Buddy Murphy, Lana, Santana Garrett, and uh, Ruby Riot. If you want to take a listen to what I have to say about it, um... Feel free, because go back to my last episode, because I really went in detail about how WWE cut these guys, and I actually got more news involving cuts. So we're going to go on the cut train right now. So we're going to start with this one. WWE, they canceled an all-female stable of of debuting NXT stars. Now... You know the same, plans always change, and it happens more and more in WWE, especially with these releases. Now Santana Garrett, who I was happy for when she signed with WWE, and now, looking back on how they did not give her a chance, makes me not want to see her go back to WWE. She was part of the recent release that WWE sent down recently. Her name was not a big shock to some backstage because they had nothing for her creatively at all. Like, I could see her landing in NWA if that happens. Like, I, like, just, it's, it's, boggles my mind that they had Santana. She wasn't even doing much in NXT. She wasn't doing much in NXT. They called this woman up quietly and they just had her sit in the back, do nothing. Now, FIFA Select reported that there were plans at one point to create an incoming female stable with Chelsea Green, Santana Garrett, and Vanessa Bourne. But it didn't happen. Instead, they sat in catering and they weren't called into the tapings at all. Now, they're on the unemployment line. Now that they're released. Now, it was said that Santana Garrett's release did not come as a surprise to many within the company, as she'd been called up nearly a year before and almost never used. None of the creative pitches for her panned out, and she was kept off television. It was also reported that Garrett wasn't backstage since she and Chelsea Green showed up at SmackDown and snapped selfies. Those ended up on social media and made fans buzz about the possible debut for either of them. Now, the company released Santana Garrett after calling her up. And like I mentioned, there were plans for her to debut on SmackDown last Friday. And they didn't. They didn't even call up Mia Yim. Like, they didn't even put Mia Yim on SmackDown last Friday. Need I say more? The same is true for Chelsea Green. She only got used once, but she got injured. She signed a new deal, and then they let her go. And Vanessa Bourne, they didn't even do nothing with her. They just felt she was a waste. Like, 
I'm just tired of them changing plans in the last minute. I'm tired of this company not um utilizing the people that they have. And we're going to get into that later. And I'm also hearing rumors because I was listening to the Mat Men podcast. These guys are really great. Andrew is amazing. He even reported that there might be more releases coming very soon. There's going to be more releases coming. So how about this? We're going to play a game on who I think might get cut from WWE because they honestly think cutting more people is going to save up more money when their stocks went up and they're going to have a billion dollar they have a billion dollar deal by selling the network to Peacock. They have a lot of money for the Saudi shows, which some of them are not even that good. Like it's all about money, money, money. So let's play a game. Before we uh, read, like after we read this report. Now, WWE released over 16 superstars stars since April, and they are not finished trimming their bottom line. The company is rumored to be setting itself up for sale, which we will get into later. But that might not happen so soon. It won't stop the company from cutting a bunch of wrestlers. Ringside News, take those guys with a grain of salt, reported the kind of... We'll, we'll get to the NXT call-up later. But during the Matt Men Pro Wrestling Podcast, Andrew Zarian confirmed that he was told that WWE is not finished releasing superstars. At this point, it is unknown how many will be cut and when the company will hand those releases down. More superstars are destined to lose their job at this rate. And he said, I do know that they want to cut back on these contracts and there are more releases. They will be more. I don't know when, but I was told, yeah, this isn't the final cut, so we'll see. Now, WWE cut 16 superstars in quick order, and that doesn't include NXT firings or releasing Andrade from his deal with no non-compete clause attached to his release. The company is still looking to trim their bottom lines, and WWE has a lot of money invested in talent contracts. So, like, you thought last week wasn't enough? They decided to do it again. They're going to try and do it again, but we don't know when. The question is, who's the poor victim that's going to suffer? I'm going to go with people that they don't have creative ideas for. Like, we haven't seen much of Angel Garza. I feel like he's going to be on the chopping block. Like, I feel like they're going to cut Naomi too. Like, they ain't doing nothing with Naomi. But I think she's she's going to be safe because she's married to uh, Jimmy Uso. Like, usually it would be the smaller names, like uh, Tazawa. I feel like they're not doing nothing with Tazawa. You might as well just get rid of the 24-7 title. Just get rid of it. And I feel like he's going to get cut. Tazawa's going to get cut. I feel like... Like, I don't even know. I don't want to speculate on who might be released. And usually it'll be one big name. And then... They go on about their business. And... I still think they're selling... They're still on the verge of possibly selling the company. I, I just feel like that's what's happening. Now, how do the investors feel about... Vince McMahon possibly selling the company? Well, according... To Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, he noted that despite the idea that WWE will sell the company, that doesn't seem to change Wall Street's assessment. 
WWE stocks haven't changed drastically, like dramatically, as they would, is a sale was likely in that market's determination. Now he tweeted out, I talked to uh with five people in the WWE investor community in the last 24 hours about the notion that the company's recent actions indicate they're preparing for a sale. Not one of them thought so. Even the stock prices is no selling wrestling Twitter. And I I still think it's a possibility that they will sell this company to someone like NBC Universal. I don't know. But their stocks have already risen, you know? Like, their stocks jumped up in value following the cuts. And they think cutting more people is going to help rise up the stocks again? Like, come on, man. Now, Vince McMahon putting his company up for sale are swarming in a big way. Many people believe within the company and outside of it believe that Nick Khan is positioning the company to be up on the sales block soon enough. While according to Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks, he is not buying it. Now, he went into the subject of Vince McMahon possibly selling WWE. He doesn't believe that it's not going to happen right now. But he's not saying it's an impossibility in the distant future. Now, Nick Khan, he's doing a lot of things behind the scenes that are not only cutting the bottom line, but they are also doing a great job at consolidating their workforce. Many people under the assumption that the writing is on the wall that WWE could be up for sale soon enough. Now, he said, and I quote, The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced WWE is not for sale. I'm not suggesting that that'll never happen. Nobody knows for sure. And I'm not privy on, like, to any inside information. But, um, I'm more and more convinced that what WWE is doing is doing, I think Nick Khan is probably the catalyst for a lot of this, is making good business decisions. Like, cutting people, is that good business decision, Eric Bischoff? I'm I'm just throwing that out there. Like, you think cutting people is good business decision during a fucking pandemic? I don't see that as good... I don't see that as good uh, business decision. I don't see that. I really don't. Um... Is... What was their stock prices before COVID? Somewhere around 70 bucks a share, give or take. Now it dropped down to the mid-30s when COVID hit. He continues on by saying, I was pretty convinced that without touring, the idea that component of the business model was going to evaporate, I was like, wow, this is not pretty for WWE. That entire company has been set up on a business model where live events and merchandising was such a big chunk of their overall revenue stream. The stock went down and thought it was going to be hit hard for this company to get back where they were. But I don't but I think the stock is around 56 or 58 dollars a share. If I'm WWE and I'm on the board or the chairman or just a shareholder, I'm sitting here wondering what they're going to do to get that stock price back up where it was. That should be everybody's goal. Unquote. The future is uncertain, but Nick Khan has certainly made a lot of changes that former co-presidents Michelle Williams and George Barros would have never followed through with. 
WWE fired a lot of people during a pandemic. May I remind you. And at the time when the company is racking in record profits. WWE also had a guaranteed TV contract money. And Saudi Arabia cash flowing in with more shows in the pipeline. The company could be attractive to the right buyer. But the big question is who would be in the market for such a purchase? Like I don't even know if like I honestly feel like they're still going to sell the company. That's just how I see it. Like the recent cuts like Nick Khan wants WWE to be like on the level of Marvel. I, I, I just don't know, man. I feel like it's possible. But it's sad, man. Like, if you want to hear my thoughts about these releases, like, literally, I don't want to rant again like I did last time. Like, go to the last episode. You're, you're gonna, I want you to listen to it. I went in full detail. That was the first thing I discussed before I went to the other news. Literally, go back to the last episode. You will not be disappointed. Now, Alistair Black, Tommy N. His time in WWE is over, and we actually got news that there's a possibility that they might bring him back. But he was the guest on Oral Sessions with Renee, and he discussed the biggest issue that is plaguing WWE right now. I got some highlights from this interview. And it's something other WWE superstars and writing staff also agree with. Now, Alistair Black stated that WWE has a problem of not focusing on other WWE superstars apart from those who are being pushed. And he added that the company needs to have a continuous stream of people being built up. So he said, and I quote, Yeah, I think that issue is, is that there's no... That there is not a focus on the people around the main main people being pushed. You have to have a continuous stream of people being built up. People being able to be revered by fans and being built up through the eyes of the fans. So that people so that people care. I think that's a problem. And nothing I'm saying right now is shocking news because that's the main consensus with a lot of people. Um with a lot of people is that there's not enough focus on multiple people because why would you not make everyone your usual str- no why would you not make everyone you are using strong and i agree with that statement 100% it's ww is it ww it is wwe a very busy ever changing landscape and you can only do so much as a talent you can only do so much Producers can only do so much. Creative writing staff can only do so much. And they have a lot of issues. Just I'm just adding on to that. Now, another highlight in the interview, he actually mentioned that Vince McMahon apologized. Oh, this is something I never thought I'd hear. Vince McMahon apologizing to a talent about the push being fa- a failure? I-, I just don't buy it a little bit. Now, he said that Vin- I had a conversation with Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon that lasted for about 30 to 45 minutes. It was a long talk, but it was a good talk. Again, full of praise, complimenting my ability to be honest with them whilst being respectful and just saying how much he respected my creative thought process. 
And he also understood that there were things during my time in the main roster that did not go the way he wanted it to go. And he said, I'm sorry for that. I apologize. Let's do it this way. I'm going to send you home for a bit. We're going to give get some separation between you and Kevin Owens. And when you come back, we're off to the races. And like he did come back on SmackDown, right? But he attacked Big E and we were supposed to have a feud, but he got cut. He got cut. And... And this is another highlight. He actually explains the difference between Triple H's booking and Vince McMahon's booking. And he said, I think one of the main issues is that there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Which he's referring to the main roster. Whereas Hunter has a vision and oversees the entire vision with his team. He always puts his ear on the ground and he communicates very one-on-one with his talent and everybody shares his vision. Where I feel the main roster, a lot of people think that they know Vince McMahon's vision. They haven't closely followed the people that are being bought up. Vince sees individuals and is completely mesmerized by them. And then when he has them, he's like, alright, where do I place you? I feel the time spent with where do I place you kind of loses it because it's taking too long for people to be placed. And look, I I see where he's coming from because look, Triple H, like I seen AJ Francis on Busted Open Radio, he actually had a lot of praise for Triple H, just listening to what they have to say, what he has to say, and just telling them to do this, change up this. Like, you could tell people are happy working with Triple H, whereas Vince is like you're walking on eggshells, like Renee would say. You're walking on eggshells and the morale can be very, very low. Now, Alistair Black, and I want to just transition a little bit with the Big E story because it's something that I really, really caught on. So Vince McMahon apparently has not signed off on on New Creative for Big E. And this is a... Now, ringside news, like I said, take these guys with a grain of salt because I don't trust them that much. They report that Vince McMahon has yet to sign off plans for Big E's next feud, so he's being kept off of WWE TV for now until they figure out what to do with him. Now, WrestlerNews.co was told that Big E is is one of McMahon's favorite people and he will always find something for him to do. What, challenge for the Intercontinental Championship again? But um, he was supposed to feud with Aleister Black. And continuing on, PW Insider, they reported that there's certain concerns in the company that there's been some talk that Aleister Black was cut prematurely and a push that the company should bring him back. I would not be surprised if they bring Aleister Black back in. And they realize, oops, we made a mistake. We have a feud that's going on and we fucked it up. So let's bring him back. Let's... Give him a reduced amount of money and just sign him for the sake of it. Now, as it stands right now, there's no word yet on whether this will actually happen. And it was added that there's been a feeling that everyone, that out of everyone, Black was cut too soon. And was more, and this is something I agree with. He was the victim of broken promises and start and stop creating more than 
anything more than of anything that he did on his own. So he's under a 90 day non-compete clause and that is till the end of August. And uh, there's a strong belief according to Dave Meltzer that Aleister Black might be going to AEW. But there's a push within WWE to bring him back. Well, you know, if you didn't want him to leave so badly, then maybe you shouldn't have fucking released him. Oh, my goodness. It's your loss. And it could be AEW's game for Tommy in. I would not be surprised if he ends up in AEW. I would be happy for him. You got Andrade. You got Tommy in. WWE's dropping the pooch. And they got nobody to blame but themselves. If this happens, no amount of budget cuts, no amount of talks being on sale is going to help the company get better. It's going to continue to get worse until the only person that's in charge actually has the balls to swallow his pride and admit that what he's doing is wrong. But he's not going to swallow his pride because he doesn't have the balls to swallow his pride. Like Vince has to step down. But what, you're going to pass it to Nick Khan who might who thinks he knows a thing or two about wrestling? I don't think Nick Khan knows a thing or two about pro wrestling. I want somebody to enlighten me if Nick Khan knows a thing or two about wrestling. Like, I really do. Like, that's all I can say about it right here. But Aleister Black, like, sharing the difference between Triple H and Vince McMahon. Triple H has, has stuff prepared. It's not like they're giving you shit in the last minute. He understands you. Vince, when he calls you up, he's like, what do I do with you? What do I do with this person? You see the difference right there. You see it with your own eyes. Need I say more? Duh. Just duh. Like, oh my God, man. Like, I really have... I'm Like, I already saved my anger on the uh, the last episode. I don't want to do it again. I really don't. Moving on, let's talk about Gerald Briscoe. He actually shoots on why WWE is losing fans. I could list a lot of reasons why WWE is losing fans. Now, he was interviewed by Wrestling Inc. and Gerald Briscoe opened up about why w- about WWE slumping viewership. He also pointed the finger at the company's soundbite matches because they don't let the wrestlers tell a proper story in the ring. Now, he... Pretty much says, those are your fans that I think we're losing a lot of because of the soundbite matches we're having and the quickness of them. When we were wrestling, we had time to tell people a story and then draw them emotionally into the match. And very few of those guys have that opportunity now. And that's a shame for them to lose that skill. We had fans emotionally involved with us because they knew we were going to go out and kick ass. They knew they were going to see a wrestling match when they saw the Briscoe brothers. Now, WWE is also falling, failing at being able to maintain interest levels as well. Their interest levels at an all-time low on the main roster. They're making plans for touring again as the pandemic continues opening, opening up. Now, it could be anyone's guess whether the return of live fans on a weekly basis will help bring of viewerships, I highly doubt it. I highly doubt that bringing back fans is going to help the viewerships 
there's a lot of issues that this company has right now. The creative sucks. Like, there's no energy on Monday Night Raw. There's literally no energy. And a reason as to why should I care about watching Monday Night Raw? Why should I care about watching SmackDown? The only reason I care about watching SmackDown is because of Roman Reigns. That's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why I care about SmackDown. Roman Reigns. And it's a good thing. As for Raw, what what's there to like besides Lashley? Like, uh, like what's what's there? There's nothing. There's no life. There's no reason to say, hey, this is must-see television. Or this is a must-see pay-per-view. Like, I, I, the creative, the booking of talent, not listening to your fucking audience online, like, not listening to your audience, those are the key factors on why they're losing uh, fans. And they wonder why some of the fans are migrating towards AEW. Or other wrestling promotions because they're sick and tired of being treated like an idiot. When they know the show could be better. It's just that they're not even fucking trying. And that's a sad thing. They're not trying. And I'll say it again when we talk about Monday Night Raw. Watch. Now, Buddy Murphy, he's actually creating a big buzz on the indie wrestling scene after his release. And this is good. This is good because they know how talented um, Buddy Murphy really is. Now, WWE, they let go of Buddy Murphy along with many more. We discussed this on the last episode. Now, some recently released superstars might have a tougher time adjusting to the indie scenes than others. Now, before we continue this story, let's talk about Braun Strowman. He's actually charging a hefty fee and uh, to make appearances. And apparently, it's like $20,000 on the indies for him to appear on the independent wrestling scene. But as for Murphy, he's creating a big buzz. Now, it, w- it, was no- it wasn't noted how much Buddy Murphy is charging to make a show, but he might have a lot of money to be, in- to be made in the indies. PW Insider, they report that Murphy has a ton of interest from indie promoters all over. Hey, if he comes to Wildcat, you know I'm going to be there because I know how great this man really is. I know how great this man really is. Now, the word going around is that Murphy is thought to be the guy who can pull off a ton of dream matches on the indies. There are real, there are a lot of matches that fans will like to see, and the belief is that Murphy will be able to bring a great performance out of ev- out of many people. Fans might see Buddy Murphy's schedule fill up in rapid fashion once his non-compete clause is uh, over. We'll have to see how long he is out there on the indies working full-time before someone locks him locks him with a larger contract. Now, the Australian-born uh, WWE superstar is generating a lot of buzz, and he hasn't even stepped foot into an indie ring this goes around yet. And now... I feel like we could see him on, like he's going to be a big player on one of the independent wrestling scenes. And then when that time comes, he could be in New Japan. He could go to AEW or Impact. Like I literally said he could be a part of Impact for the X Division or he could be in New Japan. Like anywhere he goes, I think he he's must have. 
again, WWE's loss is another person's gain. And he's going to tear it up in the independent wrestling scene. I'm telling you right now. He's going to tear it up. And he's going to show the world what he could really be inside that ring. And with all that frustration, working with WWE, he's going to put all that aside and just show them why I'm the freaking best. I'm the best kept, kept secret. Or something like that. And now WWE is going to have to choke on it. And I and I love it already. He's the must sought out agent right now on the independent wrestling scene. I love it. I love it. So it's not all doom and gloom for those who got cut. You're going to do better on the independence and when you work for an Impact, a Ring of Honor, an uh, NWA, a New Japan or an AEW, big things will come. Just that's all I can say. And if there's a next set of releases to come, if it's somebody that the fans can like appreciate and they and they decide to cut that said person, WWE is going to be full of dumb fucks. And the indie wrestling scene is going to be much higher and benefiting for that. That's just how I see it. Moving on, CM Punk. He actually revealed what he really took away from uh, WWE. Now, he was the latest guest on Wrestling Perspective, and he went on to he went into what he took away from WWE, and it's two things that are simple. He said the business paid me a lot of money, and I met my wife because of my job. Those are the two big takeaways. They did try to take a lot of my money, but they weren't very unsuc- They were very unsuccessful in that. I think I've always been a big believer, and Dave Batista is the same way. Calls himself the dream chaser. I just figured it out at an early age, probably because my parents forced me to go to church and stuff, and, and immediately started to realize a lot of stuff was just BS and life is short. You need to figure out what you love, and ju- and this is li- literally a life lesson from coming out of the uh, coming out of CM Punk's mouth. You need to figure out what your love, what you love, and just try to do things for a living. I was floored when somebody paid me the first time I ever made money wrestling. I was like, well, fuck, I don't have to, I don't have to have a real job ever again. I was all in. It let me follow my dreams. I've been elsewhere twice because of wrestling. Because of wrestling. I met my wife. All the fans bought my house. So I appreciate that. And I don't think CM Punk is going to be stepping back in the ring. And and I know everybody's been asking wrestling journalists. Like they re- asked Sean Ross. Said, when do you think CM Punk is going to step back in the ring? I, I just don't see it happening. Like I'm just content that he's not coming back. Now if he were to come back. He would have teased it. Like if he were to... Uh, Say, I'm coming out of retirement. By all means, I feel like that's what's going to happen. But money and he met his wife. Those are the big takeaways from him working WWE. And a little life lesson, too. Not just the money thing, but if you love something, just go out there and do it. And you could get paid doing it. It's like I mean, I'm not doing Twitch for the money. I just do it because I love it. Like, I'm not doing 
this podcast because of the money. I just do it because I love it. But, um, yeah. Take what CM Punk said and just live it to your life, man. That's the best way I could say it. Now, WWE is going to be producing short paper, shorter pay-per-views from now on. Now, Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men Podcast, Pro Wrestling Podcast, threw out a little line about WWE's intention going forward. Their strategy has changed in terms of producing pay-per-view events, and the investors are the big reasons for that. They no longer have to report those numbers after their, after their move to Peacock. He's like, here's a little tidbit. Expect all WWE pay-per-views to be a bit shorter now. WWE changed a lot when they moved their program into Peacock. They no longer have a certain statistic to to present their, for, uh, their investors. The watched hour was a big deal on the network. They wanted to see how many hours on average fans watched the network. Longer pay-per-view specials help keep viewers on the WWE network for longer. But that is not something they are reporting with Peacock. Now that WWE doesn't have to worry about producing long shows to satisfy their investors, they can produce shorter events. SummerSlam is expected to be uh, at around 7 p.m. Central for my area. So it's not going to be that long. Possibly a three-hour show. And I don't know. I think it's a smart move instead of just draining out match after match after match after match. If they're doing the takeover uh, routine, because you don't see NXT stacking up with multiple matches on one fucking takeover. They usually go five or six, like, to keep it at a bare minimum to give more time, if that's the case. So, I think it's a smart move. And speaking of SummerSlam, it will be a shorter show. And this is according to Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio, that... WWE was asked to go off air in time so that fans so that fans that want to get to the Manny Pacquiao and Errol Spence Jr. fight can get there in time. Now the boxing pay-per-view will air at the same time as SummerSlam, but the main event is not expected to start until at around midnight. Now SummerSlam is listed at starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which means they will run approximately three hours for the main card. WWE typically starts their shows at around 7 p.m. Eastern, like 6 p.m. Central in my area. Um, <clears throat> there is no word yet on why this show is starting later than usual. However, one has to assume that WWE will be able to put some matches on the kickoff show. Melsa also noted that there were some headaches from WWE before they locked in Arlington Stadium. At one point, the plan was to run on on Sunday, but the stadium asked them to run the show on Saturday night. There was also talk of not running the show at an, at all in Las Vegas because of the Pacquiao fight. At this point, it looks like the main car for SummerSlam will run from 8 p.m. Eastern to just around 11 p.m. or perhaps slightly longer than that. It is expected that there will be somewhere around 60,000 to 70,000 fans in attendance. For SummerSlam and John Cena versus Roman Reigns is the rumored main event, which I would not mind at all because you got this version of Roman Reigns versus a returning John Cena. I feel like that's what's going to happen, in my honest opinion. The idea is that they, that since they couldn't get a full house for WrestleMania, that they will do a WrestleMania caliber show with SummerSlam in the stadium. And 
Continuing with SummerSlam, that's what Russell Volt said. Um, if I could find the report, there it is. Because I always have it organized. Um, Russell Volts, they tweeted out, after speaking to a few sources on the topic, I've learned that WWE is 100% attempting to make SummerSlam this year's WrestleMania. All resources will be tapped into is how it was explained to me. I do believe they want uh, Reigns versus Cena to headline. Not sure if they decided. It's, it's going to headline. And if they're going to have a full capacity at SummerSlam, by all means, I think this is... Like, I always like the less is more approach. Like, you give more people time instead of just crowding the show with match after match after match after match after match. And then fans get, like, tired and just worn out. Like, I feel like that's a smart move. Have less and you give more to the, not only to the wrestlers, but to, um, the fans that could just take a breather until the next match begins since they're going to be back with live crowds. And it's funny because usually TakeOver is on Saturday. And I might as well talk about this because the next TakeOver is going to take place on Sunday after SummerSlam. And this is from Andrew Zarian of the Mad Men Podcast. He said, I can confirm that I was told WWE's planning on an NXT TakeOver to take place tentatively in Orlando on August 22nd. So, that's what's going to happen. The roles are in reverse. Like, if SummerSlam is not good, you got a great take. You're going to have a great takeover the following day. Now, I don't know what the car's going to be for that, but we'll discuss that on a later date. Uh, either on the podcast, like, a couple episodes in, or maybe right now. I don't know. Just going to have to wait and see. Sorry, my voice just cracked. But we're going to wait and see. That's the, my, my my approach. Just wait and see. But literally... It's usually TakeOver first and then SummerSlam. And now it's SummerSlam, then TakeOver. So, TakeOver's are on Sundays. I mean, that's fine by me, I guess. Now, WWE, they're doing another draft. And I just asked, why? Can't you just end the brand split if you're not going to put any effort to this so-called WWE draft? Seriously. Now, they're planning to shake things up again in the way of a draft, and now we know when it will take place. Andrew of the Matman Podcast reported that the draft will be held over the course of two dates, just like the previous year as the first night takes place on the 30th on Monday Night Raw and on the third edition of SmackDown. Now, I don't know, like, how they're going to, like, they do these drafts wrong, just have them sit in the locker room. Don't have these fake people from USA Network and Fox pretending that they got the right person. Like, that was so cringe. But do I think they need to shake up the rosters? Absolutely. Like, who would I move? Like, if it was for the women, I would move Oscar to SmackDown. I'm just being honest. What's left for Oscar to do on Monday Night Raw? Nothing much, really. She's beaten pretty much half the people. On Raw. Well, not Rhea Ripley. Well, you could count that in a tag team match. We will get into later. But I feel like Asuka needs to move to SmackDown. 
They might move. Uh, they might move some of the talent from NXT. I don't know, but not even a draft, not even a WWE draft is going to save the company or is going to freshen things up for the main roster. Like, if they can't do the draft right, then what's the point of having a draft anyway? Like, I'm just saying. If you're going to do it right, here's how I would do it. And I'm just going to narrow it down. You could keep your Universal Champion, make that exclusive for SmackDown. You could keep the WWE Championship, make that exclusive for Monday Night Raw. For the tag team divisions, merge it. Merge it. That's all you got to do. Merge the fucking tag team division because it is nothing but a fucking afterthought and have it be, like, compelling. Like, have... Like, you can focus on the newer talents that you're trying to build. Do the same for the women. Do the same for the women. And I know there's going to be people saying, but you're going to take away opportunity for the other women. So? Have them work their way up to the top. Have them be motivated. Work their way to title contentions. That's it. If you could have the women's tag team titles be brand to brand, you could do the same for the main championships for the women. Merge it one week or one week you build new stars, other week you build towards the storyline while building new stars. Like, as for the mid-card titles, I mean, I don't know what you could do with it. You could have it be on separate brands. You could have it swap. I don't know. But I I just don't see that happening. Even if you swap it, it's not going to change a thing. But just actually have it be like the Workhorse Championship, which it is. But, and if you're going to do call-ups, actually have a fucking plan what what you're going to do with these NXT call-ups because I put no faith in the main roster to book NXT call-ups. None. Zilch, not. I'm not going to worry about what Triple H said on a conference call. Like, and I know that's another big talking point because I thought it was just not... He could have worded it differently. Like, he could have worded all some of the questions differently, including... Like, the women thing, the women's evolution thing... Like, look, I understand where he was coming from, but I felt like he could have reworded it, and now people are wanting to cancel Triple H for these statements he made when it's his opinion and to promote his his NXT brand. Now, I do think, like he mentioned the women's, the women's thing, I felt like women's, the best wrestling for women is on WWE, which I don't... I don't buy into because I think Thunder Rosa said it best and I think I have the tweet up. Let me see. Like, I'm on Twitter right now because I don't know if I retweeted it. I don't know if... uh... No, I like the tweet. I like the tweet because everything Thunder Rosa said was true. Everything Thunder Rosa said was true about women's wrestling. Um, She said, if I could... uh find this, this damn tweet, because I do follow her, um, hold on, hold on, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I found it, the best female wrestlers are not located in one company, not even in one country, they are spread over many companies, and many countries, talented women across the globe, and Thunder Rosa hits the nail in the fucking coffin right there, because, It's not just focusing on one. It's about everybody 
who has the best women on that roster. It's not just one. Like, what Hunter said, it's an opinion. But what Thunder Rosa said was 100% facts. Sorry, I had to go on a tangent on that one because I know people want to cancel Triple H now because of this conference call. And if I was running a wrestling promotion, I'm going to be real with you guys. I would not do a conference call because you're going to get the PR answer to some of these questions instead of the br- the brutal honesty. Like, like, that's just how I see it. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Just my quick thoughts on that whole debacle. Anyway, let's let's just move on. Now, this next story, I will warn you, it is a spoiler. But this is something that I definitely see happening. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead immediately. Now, last month, Paul Davis of WrestlingNews.co reported on a long-term plan for the Usos. Like, for the Usos. To win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships with plans to have them win the belts from a babyface team. Now, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, they dropped the titles to Ray and Dominic Mysterio in order to set things up for the Usos to take the titles away from them. Now, the Usos are currently in a feud with Ray and Dominic, with the story being that Jimmy and Jay cannot win without the help from Roman Reigns. Now, at Hell in a Cell, we know Reigns is going to defend the Universal title against Rey Mysterio. And he ain't dropping that title. He's not. This this is an easy prediction right there. He's not dropping that title to Rey Mysterio. Now, we're told at Hell in a Cell... Now, we're told that the Usos and the Mysterio feud, this is what Paul Davis says, will continue into the summer. And the idea is that Jimmy and Jay will eventually be fully on board... With Reigns, with Roman's vision, and they will be the SmackDown Tag Team Champions by SummerSlam. Now, the, a source told WrestlingNews.co that obviously the plan is to build up, build Roman up, so fans see him as being on the level of John Cena and The Rock. But they also, this is also making Jimmy and Jay look strong, and we will get there by SummerSlam. This will be a tight-knit unit in a few months. Now, there have been plans to bring Jimmy into Reigns' stable since last year, and they've heard about a discussion of bringing in another person at some point. Another WWE source uh, added, SummerSlam would be a big night for Roman and for the Usos, which I expect it to be, because these guys are the best thing going on in WWE. I feel like that is, that's the right thing to do. They're they're gonna win the titles from the Usos, no, not from the Usos, from the Mysterios, and you got a power, you got a big power champion with the Usos, and you got Roman leading the charge on SmackDown, like, <laughs> and I feel like this is the right move. They're gonna make SmackDown must see. I'm telling you right now. Now speaking of these, this call. This is what Vince McMahon is looking for in these NXT call-ups. Now, Rick Boogs, a.k.a. Eric Bugenhagen, was called up to the main roster and is placed on Friday Night SmackDown paired with Shinsuke Nakamura. 
Shortly after his main roster debut, it was reported that more NXT call-ups were being planned for Raw and SmackDown. WWE recently held a talent tryout, and it was reported by Dave Meltzer that when it comes to trying out talent, the directive comes, the directive from above has changed, wanting younger and bigger guys again. Now, this site, Ringside News, and I'm doing this in air quotes, Ringside News, take these guys with a grain of salt. They are reporting that Vince McMahon is, quote-unquote, not looking for wrestlers, but rather looking for a different type of quality and a talent as he wants personalities. It was said he will ask who they have and if the character is very real or if the character is outlandish. Doesn't matter. Now, it was added that the WWE chairman always asks what is the character of the NXT wrestler. That's because the guy does not watch fucking NXT to understand what the fuck the character is. Have he, had he watched NXT, maybe he will understand who the fuck they are. And they will be pushed to the damn moon. There's still no word yet on who will be called up or who will be part of the call-ups. It should be noted that WWE's planning to hold this year's draft in a few months. And there's no confirmation as to whether NXT talent will be a part of it. Like, I, I don't, I really, look, if it's somebody with personality, and if they're not looking for wrestlers, by all means, the people who are wrestlers, which everyone is a fucking wrestler, they should stay in NXT. Like, if you're looking for personality, then I don't, need, I don't even know what I could tell you. Like, you want younger guys. You got wrestlers who are younger guys wanting to, to show you, like, show the audience what they could bring to the table and they could be a top star. How come Triple H is doing that right? But you're not gonna... Like, I feel like they might bring up a Raquel. It, it, it's possible, but I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't... I just have that sense of dread that I don't want nobody to be called up from the main roster. I don't want anybody from NXT to be moved because you just don't... You get that sense of they don't know what the fuck to do with some of them. You got Mia Yim. Where the hell is she? Where the hell is Mia Yim? I don't know. Just gonna have to wait and see. But that's what their plan is. Personalities over actual wrestlers. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's all I can say. I won't believe it until I see it. Anyway, you may be wondering, where the hell is Bray Wyatt? Where in the world is Bray Wyatt? Now, he disappeared on WWE television as he hasn't been seen since losing to Randy Orton at WrestleMania 37. The crowd shat all... They were shitting all over this, over the ending, because it was terrible. It was reported that Orton was going to take time off after the event as he was supposed to lose the match, but now the roles have been in reverse. Orton has been paired with Matt Riddle on Monday night, and look, the pair is pretty good, I'm not going to lie. It's hit or miss for me because Riddle is like, like, no, Orton is like all of us. He wants Riddle to shush, just shush. Now, we don't know what they plan for Riot until now, because Mike Johnson addressed his absence on PW Insider, and 
he said, we're told that Wyatt has purposely been kept off TV. It's not a case that he has heat on anything for anything as he's well-liked. The Randy Orton match, we were told, went 100% exactly as planned. So wait, if, it's, if it went 100% as planned, then why did they change it in the last minute? Like, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, I'm being completely honest with you. What, they're holding him back until Finn Balor gets back? Is that what the plan is? Like, what are they doing with uh, Bray Wyatt? I don't know. Just gonna have to wait and see. Because this is something that I just find absolutely bizarre. Like, they kept they kept them all TV on purpose. For what? What are they waiting for? This is what I want to know. What are they waiting for with Bray Wyatt? Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now, you may be asking yourself, Hey, uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games, you want to join the video game communities on Amino, they have it. You like music, they have it on here. Like, different genres. Like, for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I that I really love. And I'm part of Wrestling Amino, and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly. Very friendly people out there. So, once again, if you want to try out Amino, it is free. I am part of Wrestling Amino right here, and... The, like this is where I got started before I got into podcasting so if you would like to download this app it is 100% free I am telling you it is worth it download the Amino app and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino and now back to the show <laughs> Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw, like, I, the show keeps getting worse and worse every single week. Every week I watch this show, is like, they're not even fucking trying to make the product better on Monday Night Raw. They're not even fucking trying. Like, the show I watched, especially the ending, don't even get me started with that. Like, there's no life, there's no effort, there's no care in what they're producing. Some of the people that are in these certain roles, like some of the characters who are being pushed right now are questionable booking decisions. Like, like the only ace I give is... Jimmy Smith, if I'm correct. Like, I thought he's doing a pretty good job than adding Virk. Like, I just, every time I watch Monday Night Raw, every time I watch Raw, it's just, there's nothing that's going to make me 
excited about what they're producing. Like, it's just, there's no life on this show. There's no life. And you can say, oh, it's the Thunderdome atmosphere. It's not even that. It's just, there's like no lack of getting yourself better. They don't want to get better. It's just they get worse every single fucking time. Every time. Now, we open the show with a number one contenders battle royal to determine who will get a future shot at the Raw Tag Team titles because it's Tag Team Week, remember? We had the Viking Raiders versus John Morrison, who is representing Miz and Morrison, who was... Miz was on a wheelchair, and look, I laughed at this part. I'm not gonna lie, I had a good chuckle. Like, John Morrison was doing his pose, and Miz was just slowly... They slow-mo Miz just riding down the ramp and John Morrison catching him. I thought that was funny, I'm not gonna lie. You got a good laugh at me right there. You got... RK Bro, The New Day, Lince Dorado representing uh, Lucha House Party because Grand Metal Leak, he's out of action with an injury, and you got T-Bar and Mace. I'm not going to go over the war of words between the champion, AJ and uh, Omas, talking to the challengers as he, like, before the match even started, like, I'm not wasting my time on that. We had a, a battle royal. And the Viking Raiders, they are the number one contender, rightfully so, because it's not time for uh, RK Bro. It's not time for them yet. I feel like it's going to happen at SummerSlam. I think that's the destination. Um, so they won the Battle Royal. They got a future shot at the Raw Tag Team titles against AJ and Omos. So, I mean, that's something I guess you could be on the lookout for. I don't know. But, like... How are you going to make me care about the War Raiders winning? Because I, I don't see it happening unless unless they move they move them to SmackDown and they feud with uh, the Usos. Now that is something I would keep my eye on. I think that would be a nice feud. Move them to SmackDown. Just being honest. We had Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville. They're, in, they're backstage talking about something. And Charlotte Flair interrupts saying that she was publicly pressured into last week's match against Cross, and she wants the match removed for the record. And she goes on making a case, but it, they're not going to remove the match because it's stuck that way. You're gonna, you lost fair and square. Flair says that she tried to act nicely, but she said that Deville and Pierce are just jealous of her and her career. No, of the career she's had. Now, if they were jealous. Where is the jealousy coming from? You know? I'm just picking that up. Just now. And she tells them to agree that... She deserves a rematch with Cross. And you got Ripley coming up... Saying that... Unlike Flair, I actually respect you. And she goes and says if anyone deserves a rematch. And Pearson, DeVille, they ended things up and they... Did the typical WWE booking when it comes to the raw when it comes to a women's title feud? Let them coexist. Let them coexist as a tag team against Cross and a mystery and a partner of her choosing. And Flair said, unlike her partner, she can be professional about this. And we, we all knew, we all knew who 
Nikki Cross's partner was going to be. It was going to be Asuka. There was nobody else. So they had Asuka be her partner. Now, we might as well fast forward to this match because it was a complete waste of time. Now, you had Nikki Cross and Asuka versus Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. This match, like, I really don't think... I just felt like Nikki didn't get much offense. Unlike Asuka, she got a little bit more offense. But this is just to see if they coexist, which... If you guess that they didn't coexist, ding, 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 ding. You are absolutely correct. Because they did not coexist. They brawled. Charlotte chop blocked Ripley, hit a natural selection. Nikki Cross took advantage and pinned the Raw Women's Champion. And she celebrated on the apron with Asuka. Well, not on the apron, on the commentary table with Asuka. This is how they're building towards their Raw Women's Championship match at Hell in a Cell. You better, like, this is why I say, have less pay-per-views. Save it for a fucking TV special. Like, literally, focus on Royal Rumble, focus on WrestleMania, focus on SummerSlam, focus on Money in the Bank, focus on Survivor Series. Have that be the big five. Worry about those. Worry about those. Instead of having these filler pay-per-views that there's no interest in the build, but you can put on a good match. Like, I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Like, I feel like Asuka was just there to serve a storyline with just be just to be there for Rhea and Charlotte's feud. Like, she's just there to help advance another person's storyline. And I don't like that. Now, rewinding. Let's rewind. I'm not going to go over the detail on... Elias and Jackson Riker, they're really trying to make me believe that Jackson Riker's a babyface in this feud with Elias. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, I, I just don't care about it. They had a match, Jackson Riker won. Whatever. That's all I can say. Whatever. That, that's that's just the concept of this feud. What ever. We got a contract sign, and I thought this was the only good thing on... I thought this was a decent thing on the show. And we had a contract signing between Lashley and McIntyre. He takes the mic and predicts how this will go with more of this same shtick from MVP and Lashley. And Drew then tells us he's the legend of Scotland's King Robert, the Bruce and the, and the Spider. And how he went on to win Scotland's freedom. Who's writing this? Who is writing this stuff? He told his army, if you first don't succeed, McIntyre stops and and says that he can modernize the speech to fit what we're seeing now. If you first, you don't succeed, beat Lashley's ass at Hell in a Cell and win your title back. So, Lashley, he signed his name on the dotted line. MVP, he and Lashley and the models, one of them I caught an eye on because one of them I caught, and I knew a familiar face. One of the models is actually Kelsey Heather, who is another um, up-and-coming wrestler. Someone you should keep an eye on, in my honest opinion. Um, they're on the big screen, and they MVP says there's some unfinished business to tend to before things are official. He says that they're, they were busy being fashionably late, and 
They call for the music to hit, and out comes Lashley, MVP, and the models. And Drew looks on from his chair, and you got Lashley taking a seat. MVP congratulated Drew on, once again, manipulating his way into facing Bobby Lashley. MVP mentions how Drew won't get another title shot from Lashley if he loses, and goes on about how Lashley can't wait to bring the WWE title back to the road. Now, Drew interrupts him, and he accepts the terms, and he just wants MVP to shut up. He says he will never challenge Lashley for the WWE title again if he loses, and he wants something in return. He wants to make this match take place inside Hell in a Cell. Now, he, now Lashley, he accepts the terms, and we got it official. Lashley says... Um, the story will end with Drew tucking his kilt between his legs and walking away in shame. Defeated. It's official, and Drew's talking about how brutal Hell in a Cell is. Like, I know how brutal Hell in a Cell is. I mean, come on. I've seen it so many times. So, he tells Lashley to start praying, but those prayers will go unanswered. Drew said that he will grant Lashley mercy with a claymore to take back the WWE title. Drew tells Lashley to enjoy the next few weeks because he will see him in hell. The way to sell the pay-per-view. Now, thankfully, there was no brawling between the two of them. So, instead, Drew gets up, uses that sword, chops the, like, slices the table in half, and they just had a stare down. That was it. No altercation, no brawls in these contract signing, just... That's that. But the the di- like some of the dialogues is just pretty meh if you ask me cuz I'm being completely honest. But it was a decent keyword decent contract signing and I hope to god that this is the end of the feud because I'm all Drew I'm all worn out with Drew McIntyre. Like they didn't have nobody no other baby faces so they decided Let's do Drew again. And this time it's in Hell in a Cell. Like, Drew, I don't I don't think Drew McIntyre is winning the title. It's going to stay on Bobby Lashley. And that's it. I feel like Drew McIntyre is going to feud with Jinder Mahal. I feel like that's what their plan is. Now I'm just being completely honest with you. We have Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo. This match was to determine who faces Sheamus, who did not who was not clear to compete because he actually had surgery on his broken nose. Um, He's not clear to compete. This match ended in a double countout. And I just rolled my eyes and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? The only good spot in that match was Humberto hitting a Spanish fly off the apron and onto the outside floor on Ricochet, which I thought was a good spot. But this this match was just uh, waste. An absolute waste. So the New Day. They were heading backstage. They were backstage heading to their locker room. And MVP stops Kofi Kingston. And he tells Xavier Woods to, that he got this. And MVP enjoyed Kofi's performance earlier. Which I thought the match was good. The match was good. He goes on and talks about being a fan of Kofi. Especially during Kofi Mania. Which was true. MVP says, seeing Kofi celebrate the WWE title with his sons made him want 
to come back to WWE because finally there was a champion like him he could be proud of. Now, you say Kofi Mania just ended and he wonders if Kofi has thought about why that happened. Because Kofi isn't like Bobby Lashley and he brings up last week's match on how Kofi shook Drew's hand after the match. Like he enjoyed being a loser. MVP goes on about how Kofi could switch it up and stay or stay in the back shucking and jiving with his friends. And that's when Kofi cuts him off. He's like, I don't need your advice. And he tells MVP, he yells at MVP about why he does this for the kids inspired at home watching him. And he wonders what Lashley does, wonders why Lashley does this. He only does it for money. So MVP says, no, Lashley does this for the WWE title and everything that comes with it. So, look, that was a little interesting dynamic and I feel like it's not going to go anywhere like typical WWE fashion. I, I just think it's nice to have them have MVP stir the pot about how he felt about Kofi and possibly move away from um, Xavier Woods. So he's trying to dri- drive a rift between them. But like I said, I feel like it's not going to go anywhere. We got another Evolution vignette and to tease the return of Eva Marie. And she will be ready to show the WWE Universe a side of her that we've never seen. And she's going to be coming back to Raw next Monday. Oh, joy. Like, I'm excited to see Eva Marie. You know what? Like, I, I want to go to my DM on Twitter because... My friend Derek, my friend Derek from Minnesota, he asked me, what is my opinion on Eva Marie coming back? I I just, I can answer that, Derek, because I told him I wanted to say it on the podcast. I I honestly could care less about Eva Marie returning to WWE. Like, it's not going to put asses in seats. It's not going to help boost the women's division. Like, she's just there. Like, if she was a manager then that would be a different story. I think Eva Marie would be a perfect manager if she... Because now I'm hearing that they're going to call up either Mercedes Martinez or Piper Niven to be the muscle for Eva Marie. I don't know if that's possible. And if it is, I don't know. Like, and he, he asked me, honestly, to me, I think it's stupid because she just isn't what WWE needs. And I agree 100% on that. Like, they don't need Eva Marie. Like, what do you think she's going to bring to the table for the women's division? Like, you think this is all hype to get people talking about the women's evolution? Like, I feel like we're going two steps backwards. We're going two steps back. Because I feel like they're not going to... They're probably going to push this woman to the fucking moon and neglecting other talented people. I feel like that's what's going to happen. And... I'm going to save his, uh, the second parts of the comments that he made when we get to the end of Monday Night Raw. Like, yay, I'm excited to see even Marie come back. Now, I don't know if the muscle is Piper Niven. I've heard from Sean Ross Sapp saying it could be Piper Niven, but plans could always change. We haven't seen much of Piper Niven since NXT, on NXT UK, so that makes me skeptical if she's going to be moving to Monday Night Raw. Or it could be Mercedes Martinez. I don't know. I honestly don't know. We had Jeff Hardy and Cedric Alexander. I thought Jeff Hardy was going to lose this match to Cedric. 
I don't even know if Cedric is getting pushed. Maybe it's just him being overconfident in himself because he's saying he's at his prime. Now, Jeff Hardy defeated Cedric Alexander because Cedric was too cocky. He imitated Jeff Hardy, tried to do the swanton, but he missed. Twist of fate, goodbye, Cedric Alexander. That's that. I don't know where this is going to lead to. I already talked about Nikki Cross and Oscar defeating Rhea and Charlotte because Rhea and Charlotte could not coexist. Like, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, we had Monsoor defeating Drew Gulak, which was a meh match. I thought Kofi Kingston and Riddle was a really good, was a good match. Again, possibly the best match thing on Monday Night Raw right now. Possibly the best match on that show. <sighs> then we get to the main event. The main segment. Alexa Bliss, Alexa's Playground with Shayna Baszler as the guests. Now, Liz talks about how um, new friends come in different shapes and blood types. When the music interrupts, you got Shayna Baszler coming out, knocking over rocking horses, takes a seat in the swing, and Bliss said, that wasn't nice. But she and Lily would like to give Baszler a chance to be their new friend. All she has to do is apologize to Lily. Now, Baszler can't believe... Bliss wants her to apologize to a fucking doll. Calling her more delusional than she looks. Baszler says Bliss is to blame for Reginald's accidents and the reason why she and Nia aren't, the, aren't in the running for the women's tag team championships. Bliss laughs and says that she would never do such a thing. And she just wants them to all be friends. And she changes her tone, her tone and says... It would be in Baszler's best interest to apologize to Lily. So what does Shayna Baszler do? She snatches Lily from Bliss, looks at her, and apologizes. Then she says, "Sorry, Li- she's sorry. Lily is just a stupid doll." So I don't know if we got this brawl. I just walked out. I, I did not care. Then you see Pyro coming out, like, like they had a brawl. You had. Baszler stomping on Lily's face. The Thunderdome light starts flickering. And Baszler's retreating. You got explosions. You got pyro going off. And Bliss is just in the swing, smiling. And you see Baszler walking backstage. The lights are flickering. Everyone is gone. You got something that is falling from up high. Missing Shayna. And another set falls over, missing her. And she finds herself locked in the building. Blaming it all on a stupid doll. The lights are flickering. She enters the room. Locks herself in. Pushes the couch. In the way of the door. And she's like, this isn't happening. And it starts flickering. And she sees. She looks in the mirror. And she sees Lily is standing there. And she says it's just a doll. She sees Lily in the mirror. And she shatters the mirror. And screams at it. And Lily is still there in the broken glass. And it goes black as Baszler is screaming out again. This segment has to be one of the worst segments in 2021. Possibly the worst ending of a Monday Night Raw show. You talk about doing damage goods to Shayna Baszler. They drop the ball. Big time. 
Shayna Baszler went from being a dominant NXT Women's Champion to eating a lot of roll-ups. We should call it the fruit roll-ups. And I'm craving for some fucking fruit roll-ups. From losing to Reginald, and she's feuding with Alexa Bliss and a fucking doll. How do you drop the ball with someone like Shayna Baszler? And I don't want nobody to tell me. I don't want nobody to tell me, well, if you don't like it, how about you just stop watching it? Like, are you serious right now? Like, it's it's just sad booking on what they're doing with Shayna. It's sad booking what they're doing to this woman. Like, I don't understand how you got a gold mine in Shayna Baszler and you completely fuck it up. Like, does Vince McMahon does not see anything in Shayna Baszler? Because that's what it feels like to me. That's what it feels like to me. And my friend Derek, he told me that as soon as it, as it is me saying this, I'm just not interested in WWE anymore. See that WWE? See that? Do you hear that? When you have somebody telling me that they're not interested in your product anymore? That's saying something. And my friend Derek is being the smart one because WWE is going to be in Minnesota by the end of next month. And he is not wasting his money to go to WWE. Instead, he's going to go to an independent wrestling show in um, Minnesota instead. That is a smart man who is supporting independent wrestling instead of supporting your shitty booking. That is the smartest thing that he's ever... That's the smartest thing that my friend Derek is doing right now. Because either you make your product interesting again, or you continue to lose your your little... Fri- like, continue losing your fucking fan base. Like, that as, that's an example. This show keeps getting worse. And it's like, it's literally at a point that I'm at that level. Like, I'm almost close to reaching my breaking point. Because they're not even fucking trying. Like, how do you sit there? How do you sit there and be okay with what you produced on Monday Night Raw tonight? It's like if somebody watched that ending of that show, it's like somebody who, in the creative team, mostly Vince, thought he saw a horror movie that was so scary that he wants to imitate it but make it 10 times worse. CM Punk said it best. It's like a budget movie with, with terrible writing for the audience of one. Well, the audience of one. Like, there's your big example on why the product is not going to be the same. They write to appease Vince McMahon. They're not writing to appease the fans. Like, What's it going to take for them to actually understand that? A mass exodus in WWE? The ratings going down the toilet? Like, USA Network getting furious over how they're booking the shows? USA Network doesn't give a shit. They just want wrestling shows. Like, something has to change. Because right now, Monday Night Raw is just insufferable. It's unbearable to watch. Like, I I can't put it in words. I really can't. 
And I don't want people to say, oh, you're just complaining for the sake of complaining. You're just negative for the sake of being negative. This show is a, like, my podcast is about honesty. What you're hearing coming out of my fucking mouth is honesty. Like, every time I watch Monday Night Raw, it's just, they're not even trying. And that's saying something. How do you drop the ball with someone like Shayna Baszler? How do you drop the ball with this woman? Like, I I just look at this and I shake my head. Like, it's just so... It's creative malpractice on the part of WWE. They don't know what they're doing. Why have... Why have her? Seriously, why have her? Just, why? Like, you brought in Shayna Baszler, who... Like, and I'm tired of you saying the same thing. Shayna was bought in an NXT. She was presented so damn well. And I was lucky enough to watch her perform at TakeOver New Orleans. And that really good match with Ember Moon. And winning the title from Ember Moon, which I was happy about it. Because Shayna Baszler is the best thing on NXT. She went from that, biting Becky Lynch's neck. Biting her neck. And challenging her for the Raw Women's Championship in which she lost to a roll-up. She went from tagging with Nia, winning the titles twice, and losing via roll-up. Like, she is just... I, I don't understand what... Do they even value someone like Shayna? At this point, why even have her? Went from that, losing to Reginald, and now feuding with Alexa Bliss and a doll named Lily. How the mightieth have falleth for Shayna Baszler. I don't know what WWE has to do to make amends to these Laps fans. I don't know what they have to do to actually show that they care. I don't even know what their mindset is. At this point, I feel like they don't even fucking care. If If they don't care, why the fuck should I care? When I watch Monday Night Raw. Seriously. This is how I see it. In my honest opinion. But that's Raw for you. I I just could care less about the show. But I'm here to give you guys. The rundown on what happened. NXT. Was a good show. I love NXT. I really do. They did a good job on the final build for TakeOver In Your House, which is this Sunday. And we're going to do, I'm going to do my predictions after we discuss NXT. I thought Oni Lorcan and Austin Theory had a good match, despite Johnny and Pete Dunne interfering, which really took away from the match. The spot, I thought, was Austin Theory doing low main pain on Oni Lorcan. If you have not watched Evolve like I do... Austin Theory was trained by A.R. Fox. A.R. Fox does the move Low Main Pain. And he has the sickest 450 splash ever. But that was the highlight of that match. But only Lorcan, he got a win here. And that was pretty much that. We see L.A. Knight in his mansion singing, taking a shower, singing a million dollar theme song. And he has his robe on and he gets handed a glass of champagne and he tells the women to join him in his hot tub 
and rants about how he will beat Cameron Grimes at TakeOver while Ted DiBiase looks on. Knight um, goes on about how he can carry the legacy of the million dollar, he could carry the million dollar legacy on like no other. And he hops in his Mercedes Benz and he drives off. Which, look, I love that segment. I thought it was pretty good. But um, let's fast forward a little bit. And Cameron Grimes, he's at a pool at his mansion. And he cuts a promo on facing LA Knight at TakeOver. And fighting for the million dollar legacy. And he burns the $100 bill to light a cigar but chokes on it. We see Grimes enjoying the company of a few ladies, getting a massage and giving a massage and other activities. He says he's going to take Ted DiBiase's legacy to the moon. I, I just love, I really love that uh, catchphrase as he, as he rides off in the Rolls Royce. So we'll get to the Ted DiBiase announcement later on, which I just thought it would be best if you do it like that. Legado del Fantasma, they're in the ring. And you got Santos Escobar on the mic saying that he's going to make the NXT North American champion pay for what he did to Escobar and his partners last week. Now, he speaks in Spanish until uh, Bronson Reed comes out. And he actually shows the replay of him smashing Escobar into the barricade last week. And it keeps replaying as Escobar is seething in the ring. And he challenges Reed to come to the ring and try it. Now Reed hits the ring and out comes MSK as well. So the two sides, they face off with each other. And Escobar, you got Legado del Fantasma exiting the ring. And Escobar proposes a six-man winner-takes-all match. So Reed accepts the challenge. MSK wants to see another replay and of <coughs> Escobar getting smashed. Into the barricade last week. So, that match is official. We'll talk about that when we get to TakeOver. But this was a nice segment, and it was an interest, it's an interesting matchup, to be quite honest. They, they're yelling at each other, and then Hit Row comes out. Hit Row is the best thing on NXT. The best stable. We had Isaiah Swerve Scott in action, taking on Killian Dane. This was fine for what it was. Isaiah Swerve Scott, he gets the win. And um, that's that. Like I said, it was a good match for what it was. Decent enough, but it keeps Swerve at that top. And I will be off in favors if Isaiah Swerve Scott wins the NXT Championship. I will be crying. I swear, I will cry my heart out. If Isaiah Swerve Scott wins the NXT Championship, that would be the best moment of my life. We see Poppy in the building. Mackenzie Mitchell is with uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. And Candice, she's tired of the attention Poppy is getting over them. And Indy heard Dexter Loomis put on her headphones and she thinks she might still love him. Like, might still love her. And she runs off to find Loomis and Candace is annoyed and says Indy and Loomis were never a thing to begin with. So Candace walks off. So, and it's going to play a part to what happens later on during the show. We have Mercedes Martinez. 
She's in action against Cameron Brene. I, I don't know what her WWE name is. Um, but Zia Lee attacked her, and they had a little pull apart. And Mercedes Martinez was like, continue. I'm I just start the match. I'm I can continue. And it was a quick squash. Short, sweet, to the point. One, two, three. Air raid crash, that's it. So that's that. It was that's the match did what it had to do. Backstage, we see Triple H and William Regal. They're backstage with Poppy. And I love Poppy. I think she's awesome. I'm not going to tell you that she's not awesome because I love her music. I really do. Triple H thanks her for letting them use some of her music. And she asks when, well, he asks when does her new album drop. And she presses a button and says, it's out right now. And Triple H just can't believe she just pressed the button and released her five track album. But she did. He says technology is amazing and he loves it. Dexter Loomis walks up and presents Poppy with a drawing because I believe he's a fan of Poppy. And uh, this is what I find funny. She hugs, she takes it and hugs him. And just the face of William Regal and Triple H. (laughs) It's the best reaction. (laughs) It is the best reaction, I'm not going to lie. And Indy sees this. Walks up, but she sees her, but she's hurt at the sight of Poppy and Loomis hugging. And Hartwell just storms off crying. And Triple H says, that's a little awkward. <laughs> Isn't it sad that I'm loving this Indy Hartwell storyline with Dexter Loomis? Isn't it sad that I'm loving it? Because I do love it. <laughs> but it's, again, it's going to play a part to what happens later on in the show. Now, Ted DiBiase, he's in the ring and he orders both Grimes and LA Knight to the ring for this priceless announcement, and they did come out. Now, DiBiase said this would be the ultimate test at TakeOver, and both have proved themselves worthy, but it's time to climb the ladder of success. And you see a golden ladder lower from the ceiling. Now, DiBiase said it's called a ladder match, And Knight cuts a promo saying how he will win on Sunday because there's only one man who can carry the million-dollar legacy, and that's him. Now, Grimes responds by going on about how he can't be beat in front of these fans, and he says he's taking that million-dollar legacy straight to the moon. To the moon! I I just love it. And um, he says this is from a few rungs up the... Like, he says that when... From a few rungs up the ladder. And he tells Ted he doesn't see what he's supposed to be reaching for. And Ted DiBiase is like, I'm glad you asked. So the security comes in and they bring in a black case. And in there was the million dollar championship. The million dollar title belt. And he said that this Sunday at TakeOver, whoever wins the ladder match will become the new million dollar champion. And I'm like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I think this is great. And I'm literally intrigued by how this match is going to go. And I'm a sucker for ladder matches. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm very intrigued by this. And uh, I'll give my predictions for that later. We had Grizzle Young Vets defeating August Gray and Ikman Jiro. Easy match for them. Now, they turn after the match. They stared at Thatcher and Ciampa. Gibson takes the mic and he 
cuts a promo on Thatcher and Ciampa, and they said they're here for MSK and the NXT Tag Team titles. And as they have already proven that they're too good for Ciampa and Thatcher. Now, Tommaso laughs at this and said they aren't getting the title shot unless they go through them. So they threw, they were throwing the chairs at the ropes, and Gibson calls them idiots and challenges them to a tornado tag team match next week on NXT. And I'm looking forward to that. I think they, these guys are going to tear the fucking shit out of each other. So this is going to be something to look forward to, and it's probably going to have title implications for the next takeover. Candice LeRae, she's coming out, and she's like, I'm so tired of Poppy, and the crowd is chanting Poppy, and we love Poppy. And LeRae isn't happy with how Poppy hijacked her interview last week and stole Andy Hartwell's man this week, making her cry and leave the show tonight. Now, she calls Poppy out to the ring, and she says, we have two options. You could do it the easy way and apologize, or do it the hard way and receive a proper introduction to the parking lot. So the lights go out, Poppy's music hits, and she's on the stage, and she says, I don't wrestle, but I know someone who does. And my my mouth immediately went smiling from to the chin because I knew who she was talking about. The Io Shirai. Io Shirai is back on NXT and I could not be more happy about it, but I also dread that I don't know how long she's going to stay in NXT. That's my concern. But Io comes out, she takes down Candice LeRae, hits a 619, fans are cheering on her. Io got a big, big reaction. And that's a good thing. See, this is how you make someone come back. Like, give them time off, and then have the right person bring them back. Like, Poppy. Remember when, like, I saw someone comment, like, Lenny is Triple H. Like, Triple H has Lenny for uh, Motorhead, for his theme, if I'm correct. And now EO has Poppy. Like, EO and Poppy, they, they are a great duo. Like, you cannot tell me that they, they're not. So, Shirai and Poppy, they celebrate as the music is back. And later during commercials, they're chatting it up. They run into Raquel and Dakota Kai, and they just, they didn't say anything. They just stared at each other, so that's another tease. I feel like they're going to do EO and Raquel sometime either later in July or in August for TakeOver. And you also got Frankie Monet. That's another few. That's a possibility. And you also got Candice LeRae. Now, she's one half of the women's tag team champions. We haven't seen Saray that much. So, I'm still hoping that they could pair EO up with Saray as a team. I, I just feel like that's the idea that I'm throwing in. Because it looks like they could have EO and Saray feud with Candice and Indy for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. And eventually win it. Like, I feel like that's that should be the direction, but I don't know. Knowing WWE, they might call up EO Shirai and they might ruin her. I, I really have no faith in them at all. To book EO Shirai as a top star on the main roster. Because I feel like they, they just won't get it. 
they won't get who Io Shirai is. So for the sake, for me, I hope she stays in NXT for as long as she wants. We had Ember Moon and Dakota Kai, a little, a really good match. Um, this match ended in a disqualification, and you had Raquel checking up on Dakota Kai. Moon came back from the ring, attacking the champ. Kai's helping Gonzalez. They double teamed uh, Ember Moon. Gonzalez goes for the one-arm uh, power bomb, but Ember Moon counters it with a beautiful eclipse. Like I shit you not, it is a beautiful counter. And she goes up to the top, hits a beautiful eclipse, which is one of my favorite finishers in pro wrestling. She hits another eclipse, and Raquel sold that eclipse so damn good. She sold it so well. And she looks at, she takes the NXT Women's title, like poses it, like poses with the title, and just lays, she lays it on Raquel's body. And that's pretty much that. Like, I thought that post thing was good, but the match itself I thought was pretty well. Now we get to the main event. We have NXT General Manager William Regal. He's facing off with Karrion Cross, and he's furious. And I love it when Regal gets pissed. He says, he has seen what's gone down tonight, and this is not happening. Cross may be the champion, but he doesn't run things around here. Cross snatches the mic. He, like, literally snatches the mic and says, this show has been out of control for a long time, and now you're in my world. I ain't leaving until my challengers come out. My four challengers come to the ring and face him and get their ass kicked. Kyle O'Reilly, he comes out and he taunts Cross about taking the title. You got Gargano coming out from the crowd and he's standing on the announce table taking a shot at O'Reilly and Cross. You got Pete Dunne. Like, before we get to Pete Dunne, Karrion Cross actually called Johnny Gargano a mark. He's like, and he invites him to get into this ring. Pete Dunn comes from the stage and he tells Cross to shut up. He's tired of waiting and he's waiting. Like he's ready to show them all why he's the baddest man in NXT. Dunn, he's on the apron. You got O'Reilly also on the apron. Regal and security watch at ringside. You got Adam Cole appearing on the big screen and he's taking shots at all of them. Calling Cross the dumbest of them all. And he goes on about Cross is afraid to face him one-on-one. And he talks about ending Cross's NXT title reign on Sunday. And he says he will leave the others to fight it out. And O'Reilly calls Cole too much of a bitch to be here. So he steps up to Cross, slaps him. We get a huge brawl breaking out. Karrion Cross was standing tall. But wait, Adam Cole comes in, super kicks him. Last shot. And... He takes the title, does the Adam Cole, baby, and poses with the title to close out NXT, which I thought was a pretty good uh, final build to uh, for TakeOver in your house. And speaking of which, let's get into the prediction of, predictions of this show. We have Zia Lee versus Mercedes Martinez. I think this should be a pretty good match. And as much as I want to... I feel like Mercedes is not winning this. She's going to help Zia Lee get over. 
because I know there's reports going on that Zia Lee is getting a big push in WWE on the NXT side. So I think this is the start of it. And I'm going with Zia Lee. I think she's going to avenge her loss from the Mae Young Classic years ago. And that's what's going to happen. Zia Lee's my pick to win. We got a winner-takes-all match between MSK and Bronson Reed versus Legato Del Fantasma. This is for the NXT Tag Team Championships and the North American Championship. I think this is going to be a banger. I'm looking forward to this match. And I don't think the babyfaces are losing. Bronson just won the title. Like, I feel like Legato Del Fantasma, that's, that's that. They're done. I'm going with um, MSK and Bronson Reed. I think this is going to be a great match to look forward to. Lots of twists and turns. And just these guys are going to go out there and tear the house down. We got LA Knight versus Cameron Grimes in a ladder match for the Million Dollar Championship. This is the match I'm surprisingly looking forward to. I think these guys are going to go all in on this match. And you can make a case for both of them to win. Like, LA Knight, he would be a great heel with that Million Dollar Championship. But I feel like Cameron Grimes is so over right now that you just don't want him to lose. This was a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with Cameron Grimes on this one. But I would not be surprised if LA Knight gets the uh, win in this match. So either way, I would be happy with any outcome. Just to be honest with you. We got Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship. This one is easy to predict. There's no way in hell Ember Moon is winning the NXT Women's Championship. And this is uh, Raquel's second title defense and her first title defense, her first takeover title defense. Um, Raquel is retaining here. I feel like her next opponent is going to be either Io Shirai, but... If you're wondering where Shasi Blackheart is, she is out with an injury. She confirmed it on Twitter that, yes, I'm out of action with a legit injury. So I wish her nothing but the best. I hope she recovers in time. They might do her next right after she recovers. Like, I think it's going to be EO next. And then after EO, the big story has to be Dakota Kai. That is your big story for the NXT Women's Championship match. Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez. And you could do it in a ladder match if you want to, or you could do a straight-up one-on-one match. Like, it could be a ladder match, and this could be a way to protect Raquel from taking a pin, and Dakota wins the title like that. Like, they could recall the Diesel-Shawn Michaels, like the Diesel-Shawn Michaels match. I think that would be perfect for your big takeover next in August, if I'm correct. So Raquel is retaining here. I don't see Ember Moon winning. This is just a nice rub for her on the go-home show, but it is I don't see her winning. Finally, we got the main event. The Fatal 5-Way for the NXT Championship. You can make a case for all of these guys to win. I feel like Karrion Cross is going to retain the NXT Championship, but honestly, I want to see Adam Cole win the title back. Or they could give it to Johnny Gargano. They might give it to Gargano. Who knows? But like I said, any man could win. Pete Dunne, he's never held the NXT Championship, and he could prove why he's the best in NXT. 
You could say Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, some people may not like babyface Kyle O'Reilly because it just doesn't scream organic. I mean, there's some people who don't watch Ring of Honor back in the day who know how over Kyle could be. You could say Adam Cole. I feel like Adam Cole is just the best thing on NXT when it comes to the main title program. You could say Johnny Gargano. Just because he's Mr. Takeover. And he never got a decent run with the uh, NXT Championship. But I feel like they're giving it to Karrion Cross. Now, I don't know who's going to take the pin. It could be either Kyle. It could be... It could be Johnny Gargano. Like, I don't know. But I know for a fact that Adam Cole or... I'm, no, I know for a fact that Kyle... That Karrion Cross ain't dropping that title. Now, the question is, after those four, who's next? You got to really think about that. Who is next? For Karrion Cross, That we have to find out. But that was NXT. That's my predictions for TakeOver in your house. I'm looking forward to that match. And I did watch NXT UK. I paid attention to the main event. Mako Sanamora and Kaylee Ray. Excellent fucking match. Do yourself a favor and watch it. You'll thank me later. We have a new NXT UK Women's Champion. In Mako Sanamora. <clears throat> Mako Sanamora. Ended Kaylee Ray's historic 649-day reign as champion. And what a run it was for Kaylee Ray. Now, I don't know what's next for her. I don't know what's next for Kaylee Ray. We're just going to have to wait and see. Maybe she's going to be on the main NXT brand. Maybe they might call her down to the main roster. I don't know. Just going to have to wait. That's, that's the only way I see it. We're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, SmackDown. SmackDown. The Roman Reigns show. This was a really, really good episode. Despite some of the things I that I did not like on the show. It's only like minor things. But the show was very good. In my honest opinion. As we kick things off, we have Roman Reigns in his in his office, his his little locker room with Polly and uh Jey Uso watching what happened last week at the main event of SmackDown. He turns to Jay and addresses him, telling him that, look, I saved your ass, and you owe me. And he asks, what's the one thing he won't stand for? And Jay answers a, simp- a simple embarrassing the family. And he asks that if he understands that, if your brother understands that and he gets answered by Jimmy Uso who appears in the ring now he gets on the mic and he talked about last week he said it was supposed to be a celebration and tonight they were supposed to be in here as seven time tag team champs but they got robbed and he says I'm not making any excuses I'm just spinning the facts the ref blew the call and The second time they got the match, Roman couldn't just let them take what was theirs. And he said, if you ask me, I think you're jealous of me. You got, you got me, our team disqualified on purpose. And he asked, what's the point? And he's, he thought about it and he says, you know what the issue is? You're jealous that I came back and you want, and he wanted his brother to represent the family just like he does 
and he sees right through him trying to split them but his brother but he's his brother's keeper not Roman and he promises he's going to do something that he won't regret and Roman watches this and I'm like this was a really good promo by Jimmy Uso really great shit and he tells him look take care of the situation so we go to commercial break while right after Kevin Owens and Biggie made their entrance so Jimmy is backstage he's like pacing back and forth and he confronts Jay and he asks him if he thought they could they could have won the tag titles last week and he's trying to get Jay to admit that he was mad when Roman cost him the match and he said it can't be like this anymore he needed his brother and he froze on him and you want to talk about our family disgrace you want to talk about family disgrace he's saying that Roman is disgracing them right now and Jay he just tells him look what do you want what do you want me to do after Jimmy after you were out for a whole year and he doesn't know how to get out out of this and he pretty much tells him if Roman wants to see him be in our locker room the Usos locker room oh and I'm gonna talk about this one because I just find this to be pretty funny what when we get to Roman we had a decent little tag match between Big E and Kevin Owens versus Sammy and Apollo this was decent for what it was the baby faces won Apollo Crews he came out like post-match grabbed the mic said no 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 if you think you're tough you're gonna challenge me you both are gonna challenge me and this time it's gonna be me and Commander Aziz for next week so that's pretty much official Commander Aziz will be making his uh, in-ring debut if I would say so, and also Sami Zayn got hit with a Nigerian nail. Poor Sami has to get beaten up. We got the Street Profits, they're hanging backstage, and Chad Gable rolls up, and he's like apologizing and telling them that he got a tag match canceled tonight, their tag match canceled tonight, and Montez is taking issue with that, and he says that if they're, they're going to slap Otis so hard that he's going to go back to the Jurassic period. Now, Chad said they talked their way back into a match, a one-on-one against him. Like, Dawkins wants a piece of it, but Montez is like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Let me handle this. Now, Chad said he's not going to have Otis at ringside, but he only if Angelo hangs back himself. And he warns them Otis is still angry before walking off. So... I mean, a little decent stuff right there. Kind of like it. Now, this is the good part. Roman Reigns, he's in his, he's backstage in his locker room, in his office. And Jay says, he, dem- like, he rolls up in the uh, locker room and Roman demands to know where Jimmy is. But Jay says, um, like, he pretty much relayed the message to, from Jimmy to Roman to go to the Usos locker room. And Roman is just laughing. He's just mocking. I just love Roman being a dick. It's just so good. Like, Roman is excelling as a heel. Like, how can you not have him lose? Only if you have the right baby face to actually sympathize with. 
So he mocks the idea of an Uso locker room before telling Jay that he's coming, and we're gonna play a is gonna play a part in the show later. What I, I love Roman, man. He is just a dick. <laughs> he's such a dick in a really good way. We had Liv Morgan and Carmella again. 50-50 booking, rearing its ugly head because they don't have that many women on SmackDown. Well, maybe if they shouldn't have cut Santana, if they shouldn't have cut Mickey James and Billy Kay, we wouldn't be dealing with this, and Ruby Riot, we wouldn't be dealing with this nonsense. This was 50-50 booking. This match lasted about three minutes. Yeah, I used the stopwatch. It was like two minutes and 59 seconds, close to three minutes. Liv Morgan gets her win. Both women are tied, and I'm like, I just rolled my eyes. And I'm just saying, where the hell is Mia Yim? Just, where the hell is Mia Yim? And Carmella looked like she didn't even care about her losing, because she's saying she's the beautiful woman on SmackDown. Like, I feel like that's, I don't know. I just don't know about that. We had this weird... Ding dong hello segment with Seth Rollins. They pretty much show clips of Bailey just laughing like at Bel Air at, at Hell in a Cell, like taking the Dunderdome over to taunt her. Then they show and they just laugh it off, which I'm like, what the hell is this? And they had Seth beating up Cesaro. Which they laughed, and then the doorbell rings, and I'm thinking it's either Bianca or Cesaro, and lo and behold, it's Cesaro who beat up Seth Rollins and just and just beat him up out of his pants, and that's pretty much it. He got embarrassed, and then Bianca came out and she starts laughing. I'm like, this is how they're building the SmackDown Women's Championship. Eh, that's all I can say. We had Montez Ford and Chad Gable. I mean, this was some solid match. This was a solid match. Um, you had Otis, who shaved his beard. He looks completely different. Even Mandy is heartbroken that he looks different. <laughs> but Montez won via disqualification. Otis came out. He laid him out with a Vader bomb. Otis, um, Angelo Dawkins tried to help, but... uh. To no avail. And Montez eats another Vader bomb. Because why not? <laughs> so far I'm like. I'm kind of liking this feud between Alpha Academy and the Street Profits. Surprisingly. I mean I think it's pretty good. Once again we got Nakamura and Corbin. Both of these men did not get a single entrance. I feel like WWE's trolling us. Nakamura got a win. They're both even. Next week, they're going to have the rubber match. Like, the winner gets the crown. I feel like it's going to Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know why. I feel like they might give it to Nakamura. I would not be surprised if they give it to Corbin. But this has to end. Like, seriously. This has to end. I'm tired of seeing this match over and over and over again. Like, Corbin has to drop the that king gimmick because it's it's terrible it's terrible it's ran its course and the crown looks better on Shinsuke I'm sorry 
it looks better on Shinsuke than it does on uh, Baron Corbin. Like, I'm just being completely honest with you. And you got Rick Boogs. That's money. That is seriously money. Now, like, I really hope this is the end. Because I, I just don't care about this feud anymore. They're fighting over a fucking crown. Let that sink in. They're fighting over a fucking crown. That's the best you got for Shinsuke Nakamura? I'm just saying. Even though it looks good on him. But seriously, if this is not leading towards him challenging for the Intercontinental title, the Universal title, this is a waste of time. Like, it really is. Anyway, Roman Reigns enters the Usos locker room and he's confronting Jimmy Uso. He's asking Jimmy if he understands the Universal Championship. But he says, look, I don't care about that. Just what's in Roman's heart. Uh, Jay says he's been trying this shit since they were kids. Now, he didn't say shit, even though I want him to say it. He's been trying this since they were kids, and he watched the whole year of Reigns abusing Jay. And he doesn't want to take his place. He puts him over saying, one day you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, but you're not going to be inducted as Roman Reigns. But you're going to be inducted as a spoiled bitch. Now, Roman asks Jay, look, you see what Jimmy's doing? And Jimmy asks if he sees what Roman's doing. And I, I love this drama. Like, this is so organic. And I even said it on Twitter. This is the best storyline. This this is the best storyline in WWE right now. Nothing can, t- like, on the main roster. This is the best thing that's getting me hooked on WWE. Just this storyline alone on SmackDown. This is what Roman Reigns should have been five years ago. Jimmy and Jay, they're playing their roles excellent. Paul Heyman, excellent. Roman, excellent. Everything he touches turns to fucking must-see. That's why CM Punk said he's the best thing in W in pro wrestling right now. And I completely agree with him. Now, Jay says that he's he's tired of both of them. He had enough of Jimmy. He had enough of Roman. And he's like, I'm out of here. So he storms off. And Jimmy's like, look, I'm tired of this. And he doesn't care. He wants to do it right now. He wants to fight Roman right now. Now, Roman asked Jimmy, why do you want to fight? And he just told him, what if... What have you done? And he asks, why would you do this to his mom? Like, he's pointing out that he's the older brother, and he should be looking out for his younger brother, Jay. And he's berating him for abandoning his brother for the crime of keeping busy during his year out and tells him to make it right. So, Roman's playing that mind game on him. So, it looks like he's going to embrace Roman's vision. And when SummerSlam comes, this is when they join and the bloodline is born. I love it. I love it. I think it's great. So we close SmackDown with Rey Mysterio. He called out Roman and he pretty much says, look, 
I acknowledge you as the rat bastard you are, and the rat bastard you that put his hands on my son, and as the man he's going to fight, even if he loses, and he's pretty much challenging him inside Hell in a Cell for the Universal Championship, which we knew it was going to happen. Now, Roman takes the mic Paulie had in his pocket, and he pretty much, he's about to cut a promo, but Ray whacks him with a kendo stick. We got a huge brawl. One of the spots of the night, like, was when Dominic came in with the kendo stick. Roman gets him up, and he fucking power bombs him out of the ring. Like, he yeeted him out of the ring. Like, it should be adding as... You should just add the yeet sound effect when he tosses Roman. Can someone do that, please? I would, I would gladly save that on my phone. So, this is literally setting up Rey Mysterio being this underdog baby face taking on Roman, this final boss of SmackDown. You know what? That has a nice ring. Roman Reigns final boss of SmackDown I love it but overall I thought SmackDown was pretty good for what it was but Roman has been the highlight of this show every single time and it's a good thing SmackDown has officially become the Roman Reigns show I love it now we move from that to AEW Dynamite and I thought AEW was a decent show it's just I don't know about you guys. I know I know there's going to be some, some people who disagree with me. Like, the Friday slot after SmackDown, it's not cutting it for me. It really isn't. This is why I said eh, the TBS move is mandatory when they're not preempted anymore. Oh, I cannot wait till they go back to Wednesday. That way I don't have to worry about waiting until the show ends and then being late for the recording and I gotta do it I gotta do it on Saturday too because Saturday I have to do my little thoughts on AEW Dynamite possibly do like a mini review for that show but we opened with Christian Cage and, and Helico this was a pretty good match really good opening match and Christian Cage he won with the kill switch Matt Hardy he laid him out with the tw- like, he laid out Christian with a twist of fate. Like, TH2 and Matt Hardy were attacking him until Jungle Boy made the save. So, really good stuff. Really good opening. Tony Schiavone, he's in the ring with, uh... He's in the ring talking about next week. Where Aaron Solo will team with QT Marshall to take on Cody Rhodes. And his partner, who will be making his AEW debut, Brock Anderson. The son of Arn Anderson. Now, Cody says Brock wasn't born on third base, and he's going to steal home plate and hit a home run every time out. And he wouldn't mind the uh, modicum of revenge, considering the last week he was beaten by Anthony Agogo. This brings up Q- this brings QT Marshall out, taking the issue to what Rhodes said, and he, he asks, does Brock want Pyro too, or maybe just bring him right down for the ceiling? And he's accusing Cody of skipping guys like Camarado and Solo. And says what makes him Cody Rhodes is the fans. 
not the IWC, the actual paying customers, and he wants to challenge him to a South Beach strap match. And Cody's willing to fight right now, and QT takes a shot at Arn, and this leads to Brock grounding and pounding um, QT Marshall, and, and the refs just intervene. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, look, I'm curious to see what Brock Anderson can bring to AEW, but this feud with Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, I'm just done with it. I'm just not interested in it, and I'm being brutally honest, like, I did not care about this feud, and I still don't care about this feud, but I'm curious, like I said, to see what Brock Anderson could bring to AEW, I'm gonna give him a chance, and that's pretty much how I could see it, I thought the six-man tag was Really good. Pretty good stuff. Eddie Kingston, Penta, and Pack defeating Brandon Cutler and the Young Bucks. This was really good. Um, you had the Bucks attacking the baby faces. The good brothers come in and join in on the fun. Frankie Kazarian comes in. The elite hunter chases them out, and that's pretty much that. And it looks like we're getting uh I think it was, they said a four man tag, I don't know. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. But Frankie Kazarian, the elite hunter, I mean, I get why they're telling the story with Kazarian because uh because how would I put this? The elite were the reason why SCU is no more. And it is a good story. He Like, for a sec, I thought it was John Moxley. <laughs> That's what I thought, but nah, it was Kazarian to make the save. Then we hear from the pinnacle for the very first time since Double or Nothing. Now, Dax Harwood admits that, look, we lost at Stadium Stampede, but, and it wasn't designed for them, and Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz... Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting better rolling my R's with Ortiz. Um, gave them a hell of a fight and made them realize that they're not different. They both come from nothing and made something of themselves, but Ortiz and Santana lost their edge. You got Sean Spears calling Sammy Guevara a glorified indie wrestler and says he's the hero. Warlow says that he's gonna bring the best out of Jake Hager. And he wants this, he wants to keep this going, and he invites him to the comfort zone because he knows he can't win in the ring. And he's going to find out. It doesn't matter where or when you stand across from Mr. Mayhem. And he accepts the challenge, this MMA cage fight. So we'll see that next Friday, if I'm correct. Now, MJF. Says that, look, I'm tired of the talks about he uh, how he idolized Jericho. But he idolized a false god who was just like everyone else and not even remotely on his level. And pretty much declined his challenge. Because he says, I'm better than you. 
and you know it. Now Jericho, he appeared on the Titan Tron and says, look, it was great that you guys can brag about it all night. And he says, you know what happens when you don't accept our challenge? So the camera cuts to the inner circle on the limousine and pretty much Jericho said, you could brag about it all night while walking home. And they were holding sledgehammers and they're smashing the limousine. You got Jake Hager riding a forklift. This rams it into the fucking limo and lifting it up and the door fucking falls off. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That was a really cool spot. A really cool moment right there. Just, I love it. I thought it was really good. As much as the feud is continuing, yeah, it has to end. Like, it has to end. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I think the pinnacle and the inner circle, they gotta move on. We got Darby Allen and Sting responding to Ethan Page and Sky's challenge, and pretty much Allen says, look, stay home, I'm gonna take care of this myself. And I was, he asked Sting to respect the wishes and stay home. And he's telling them, look, I'm not stupid. And I want to prove to both of them that he, that I don't need Sting. And he's, Sting says, look, I've got nothing to prove. And he's who he is because he's Darby, not because of me, which is, a, which is true. And Alan asks him again. And then Sting agrees, did a fist bump. And they, he just respects his decision. Now, later during the show, Sky tells Darby, look, we gave you the opportunity and you're just like a sensitive child that you couldn't even do that. And he's saying that Darby has done a lot of dumb things, but this is the dumbest. Now, Ethan Page says, look, actions have consequences of stepping in the ring with them, but has he really considered the mental consequences? Acts Ethan Page. And he's t- saying that you're already butthurt enough to accept this handicap match against them. And they're going to cut him down and raise themselves up as the men of the year. Darby does not care. He does not care. He could take on challenges. And if he does pull off the victory, I'm going to be shocked. But I would not be surprised if Sting shows up in this match. I don't know. And this could lead to a dissension between Darby and Sting. Don't don't do it, please. Please don't do it. They're, They're a great pairing. Anyway, moving on. I thought the TNT Championship match was pretty good. And Miro is just incredible in right now. He is absolutely incredible. Like... It's amazing how they build him up so damn well. Like, ignoring the Kip Sabian stuff from the beginning. This is what Miro should have been when he arrived in AEW. And I'm being, I say this every time. Like, how can you look at Miro and say, this is, this is who WWE let go? Man, they dropped the ball. Dropped the ball, they did. Evil Uno, I thought he impressed. 
and he wanted to win this for Brody Lee. He they actually showed a video package talking about Brody about Evil Uno talking about Brody Lee, which look, is heartbreaking because it still hurts that Brody Lee's no longer with us. But I still think his legacy will live on. Just no matter what. Like that's that's the best way I could say it, but did Evil Uno walk out the champion? Here's an easy answer. No. Miro retains, and I still, like, I heard some, I was listening to Sean Ross Sapp do his Q&A. He thought that we might see him and Cody, which, God, I hope not. I feel like All Out should be Miro and Kip Sabian. It should be a callback. Like, it's long-term storytelling. And if you want Kip Sabian to win the title, I think he's the one to take the title from um, Miro. If you want me to be honest, get a little revenge. You took away something special from me, I'm going to take away what's special to you. As revenge. And I I love it. I think that would be really great. Now... We had Omega and Callis being interviewed by Tony Schiavone in the ring. And you got Tony be running down Omega for belittling Jungle Boy. But Don Callis, and I, <laughs> I get tired of hearing his voice. Every time I hear my commentary, I'm like, dude, can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> and look, he does a good job of pissing me off. <laughs> he really does. Now, he yanks the mic away and demands some respect for the champ. And he's... Talking about Jungle Boy did a great job earning the title shot, but to them, he's just like the band that sings his theme. A one-hit wonder, which is a great line. I'm not going to lie. That is a great line. Kenny puts over Jungle Boy's underwear model as by. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Kenny. And he says that he sees a lot of himself in him, and he respects him quite a bit, but there's something that's missing. That he can't quite put his finger on. And he passes the mic to Callis. Which he says the guts to get in the ring with Omega. Then he gets interrupted by Jungle Boy. He comes out and enters the ring. And Omega says, look, you got something to say. But you don't have the guts. And what can you even do standing in front of a wrestling god? And he asks Don who's better on the mic than him before giving Jungle Boy five seconds to say what he's got. Now Jungle Boy just takes the just grabs Omega by the wrist and he just says, Dude, you talk too much. So we get this brawl. Jungle Boy is about to put Kenny Omega in the snare trap, but the Young Bucks came out to save his the elite brethren, Omega. And We got two weeks for this match. So this should be pretty fun. Hopefully Omega heals up because he needs to bring that A game. We had Lance Archer. He squashed um, Chandler Hopkins. Short, sweet, to the point. But um, going back to that segment, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good segment with Omega. Um, We had... Nyla Rose taking on Layla Hirsch. Another good match. And I fucking love Layla Hirsch. Can I just mention that Layla Hirsch is badass? 
But, I mean, because I can. Layla Hirsch is badass. Nyla Rose, she defeated Layla Hirsch with the Avalanche Beast Bomb to win. And it looks like they're setting up her and Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship because Tony Schiavone, he interviewed his best friend, Britt Baker, and the champ was furious with Nyla Rose for breaking up her celebration. But then she took a deep breath and realized that Nyla looked quite good flipping burgers, so maybe she should work, she should look into a new line of work. And she says that this title makes Nyla, but she makes the title, meaning Brit, I make this title more prestigious. And look, I can't even tell who's going to be the heel in this match. Is it Britt Baker? Is it um, Nyla Rose? I don't know. It's heel versus heel. Somebody has to be over, and it looks like it's going to be Britt Baker because she's popular. But in the main event, we got Hangman Page and 10 versus Powerhouse Hob and Brian Cage. Like, this episode of Dynamite was a tape show. Because Taz, he was on commentary even though he had to get surgery. And, um, we had dissensions within Team Taz. Ricky Starks was given, he gave Brian Cage the FTW title, which, when was the last time Brian Cage defended that damn title? Honestly, I don't know. But he throws it. He's like, I don't need that. Ricky Stark slaps him. And he chases after... He he pretty much activated his rage mode. And Ricky is injured. He's like, dude, I'm injured. Stop following me. And he's just walking slowly with anger. And Ricky is just running from, from him. And this distracted powerhouse Hobbs. I gotta say this about Hobbs, though. He hits a beautiful ass looking uh, spine buster I know Arn Anderson is just smiling from ear to ear seeing that uh, spine buster but the baby faces win they celebrate and I feel like we're gonna see Brian Cage possibly leaving Team Taz to venture out on his own and that FTW title is possibly gonna go to powerhouse Hobbs I feel like that's what's going to happen. Overall, pretty good episode of Dynamite. And I'm getting the heck out of here, guys. It is literally 2.30 in the morning. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. Make sure you guys show support to this podcast. Leave a five-star rating. And leave a positive feedback as it helps the show out. And share it with your friends. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, Phoenix. Like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. Follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip. And I will see you guys next time for episode 121 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. So, till then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can, and this Phoenix flies off. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace out.